good morning everyone. You're tuned to Community Radio 3CR. Time is right on 7.30 and of course it's time for the 3CR Gardening Show. My name's Pam Vardy. First up of course, uh, we have to welcome back Stephen Ryan from Dixoni Rare Plants. Morning Stephen. Good morning Pam and good morning everybody out there. I hope they're all sort of awake. Looks like it's actually going to be a pleasant day so we should be awake and alert to listen to what we're doing and then ready to rush out into the garden afterwards and get well, some was, things done. It was quite mild this morning compared yeah. to the frosts we've had in oh. the last <laughs> little while. Yes, exactly. So yes, it, it's, it's, I think it's going to be a pleasant day to be out and about. So yes, it's a good day to get up and go out into the garden or go out and buy that tree you were thinking of planting you know so it's getting on in season too so if you're it looking is. for bare rooted things and what have you I wouldn't leave you run too much later now so um, yeah so it might be a good day to go out and visit the nurseries absolutely yes um, yes and look all the, I mean, I was just listening to Tim Entwistle speaking this morning. He, of course, is uh, Director of Royal Botanic yes. Gardens mm-hmm. um, here in Melbourne. But, um, yeah, he was talking about Sprinter, of course. Oh, yes. It's this new season that's halfway between spring and winter, and it certainly seems like it at the moment. Yeah. And I've got all the trees out in new bud, and yep. it's just and all happening. And, of course, a lot of the early blossoms are out. I mean, the, the, the flowering apricots are in bloom yes. um, and some of the other early blossom trees. So, uh, yeah, so, yeah, spring is sort of almost upon us. I mean, there's daffodils already out. There's yeah, mine are starting to open yeah. up, which is yeah, fantastic. Yeah, so it's, it's quite exciting, really, because, you know, you know that it's going to build from now on in, so you, you can't even miss being out in the garden for a day in case you miss something happening. Exactly, yep. We also have to say a very good morning to Graham Morrison. Good morning, Graham. Good morning, Pam. Long time no see, and you've been travelling to exotic parts of the world again, which we're going to talk about a little later. Yeah, thanks, Pam. Yeah. Yeah, we've been uh, flapping our wings, Leonie and I. We've been to South America for four weeks, and then we got to Italy for two two weeks, and then down the Adriatic, Mediterranean, uh, uh, Greece, and Montenegro to, to Turkey, uh, and uh, in, enjoyed ourselves, uh, no doubt. I was thinking before, you know, a lot of people on these tourists, they, you know, home in on the cathedrals and the big churches, and uh, that's fine, and, you know, I get a bit churched out, I suppose, but my, my vital interest is the plants that they have around these cathedrals and things, you know, I still can't help myself. <laughs> Why You're still you? a horticulturalist. Yeah, well, that, that, that's, that's right, sure. Yeah, I can remember seeing marijuana growing outside the cathedral in Delhi. <laughs> if, that's, if that's the sort of thing you were looking for, I don't know, but no. I always thought that was quite funny. I'm, I'm assuming it hadn't been planted on purpose by the church uh, authorities, but, uh, and that was many years ago, uh, but yes, it did make me smile to see it. Great big fat juicy marijuana plant growing right outside the Catholic Cathedral. No, no Stephen, fruit fruit trees really. <laughs> I'm, I'm looking for sorry. Well, it, it could be seen as fruit in another way. Uh, oh, the dear. plants you do see. Yeah, but we did did uh, uh, see a, a lot of things, and I actually make make a few notes that I think could be interesting to our our loyal uh, uh, 3CR listen, listeners out there. Uh, you know, just to give you an, an example as, as to things, the things that we, I ate that I hadn't done before and probably things that I'd seen in the, in the fruit, fruit line. As you know, I'm a, a, fr- a fruit man from way back. Uh, things like c- c- cassava and c- cashew nuts, bread, breadfruit, granadilla, uh, quinoa. In Peru, they had 200 varieties of corn. 
400 varieties of potatoes. You had yacon, prickly pears, chia, Brazil nuts sort of thing. But right. a, lot, a lot of these things. It's I'm just assuming not you nice didn't eat all 400 <laughs> varieties of potatoes while you were there, Graham. Okay. <laughs> uh, that would have been quite a challenge. <laughs> and all those 200 varieties of corn as well. <laughs> Actually, the corn fascinated me in Peru. I mean, the different colours and forms. Oh, yes, yes. I mean, just as an ornamental yeah, sitting yeah. in a plate, they'd look fantastic. Yeah, true, too. Some yeah. jet, jet black, these big cobs of jet black corn. Mm. Uh, and, and, of course, uh, other things, the size of the seed in some of those. Yeah. You know, and just great big things like a, a, a teaspoon size, size sort of thing. But the other thing I was going to say, Pam, before I forget, uh, uh, you might have been interested, it's up your, uh, up your alley, is uh, in our Manningham City Council now, there's, uh, I think we've got 12 uh, different schools and they've, uh, they've through Bullying Art and Garden, they've uh, some plant, planter boxes installed. Right. And uh, they're, they're getting into fruit and vegetable production and these are the, the, the kids are, you know, uh, uh, into. And I think into six different food, food uh Food banks, they call them, sort of things, supplying them, sort of things. Okay. I, I know you're right into that one. Yes. You, you, you still do the judging in the. Uh, no, thing? I don't anymore. Okay, no. Okay. Yeah, sure. But, but it's, yes, it's great, great to see the, you know, some encouragement going the, the, to the kids' side, isn't it? You Absolutely. Know, so think, yeah, Absolutely. Yeah. That's wonderful. Mm-hmm. Yes. Mentioning bullying out in garden, I know it's not good to give plugs on, on, on your show here, but I was down there about a month ago, and just the range of fruit trees that they have at the moment, that, that's my line, as I say, and uh, particularly uh, the dwarfing trees that fit so well into our, our gardens these days. Mm. You don't want a, a crazy big pear tree or ap- apple tree that you, know, you can't reach to protect and, and just, just a range of the dwarf fruit trees. I think there must be, you know, just thinking back there, probably 30 or 40 d- 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 different, uh, you know, uh, both deciduous and uh, e- 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 evergreens there. And uh, if anybody was uh, interested in dwarf fruit trees, they've certainly got a range down there at the moment. Mm, no, they're, they're, they're very good, Graham, because, yeah, um, yeah, sure. I mean, they're, they're a really excellent independent nursery. Yes, and, uh, true. They yes. also, uh, yes, yeah, yeah, they're yeah. also very heavily involved with the Sustainable Gardening Australia. Yeah, too right. So, yeah, um, sure. Yes, yes, yes. Yes, yeah, so yeah, they're, yeah, they're excellent. Yeah, and they give out lots of really wonderful yeah, advice. So yeah, that, 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 I have that, no that, problems right. at all in, yeah, um, that, 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 in thanks. giving them a plug. Yeah, and, of course, yeah, they also run uh, sustainability workshops down there yes, as well. Yes, my, 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 my word, just yes, right into that and have some great, great ideas for sustainable uh, growing of our fruit, fruit, fruit and vegetable crops. Excellent. Mm-hmm. I'm going to get straight into community announcements. We've got a lot to get through. It's, but it's getting towards spring. Yeah. That's it, and it's all taking off, <laughs> just like the garden. Mm. Um, first up, of course, it's the first Sunday in the month. That means Villa Alba is open to the public this afternoon. Uh, Villa Alba, of course, is at 44 Walmer Street in Kew. Melway's reference there, 44H6. It's the historic house and the RJ Hamer Heritage Garden. 1 o'clock through till 4 o'clock this afternoon. Admission is $10. Concession, $8. Children are free. And afternoon tea is available with a $3 donation. <coughs> now, uh, also on today is uh, the second day of the Warringal Orchid Society show. This is being held at Sansava Community Centre, which is at 212 Diamond Creek Road in Greensboro. Melway's reference for that one is 11C8. 
Entry is $4 with light refreshments, potting demonstrations, orchid accessories all being available for that one. Uh, Now also (coughs) coming up next weekend, 13th and 14th of August, is uh, the Waverley Bonsai Group's Bonsai Show for 2016. Uh, Next Saturday, 10 o'clock through to 4.30. Next Sunday, uh, 10 o'clock through to 4.00. So that's so that they've got the half hour for packing away. Um, it's being held down at the Mount Waverley Community Centre, which of course is on corner of Stevenson's Road and Miller Crescent there in Mount Waverley. Now there's going to be continuous demonstrations, meet and talk with top bonsai exponents, an excellent display of mature bonsai, a well-stocked trading area with books, pots, trees, tools, wire, advanced stock, semi-trained and fully trained bonsai trees. So that's all happening down at Mount Waverley Community Centre next weekend. Now, uh, <clears throat> Geelong Botanic Gardens, they're starting up, starting up their discovery walks again now that uh, the weather's warming up a little bit. The next one comes up uh, next Sunday, the 14th of August. Um, it's called Spice Up Your Day, and obviously it's looking at aromatic plants, uh, that uh, fascinate your nose and titillate your taste buds. So it's going to be exploring all sorts of aromas and flavours of plants in the Geelong Botanic Gardens and learning how they can be used in food, drinks, cosmetics and medicines. Now, uh, you meet the guide at the front steps. It's a gold coin donation for that one. So that's next Sunday, 2 o'clock, down at Geelong Botanic Gardens. Uh, Now, also coming up uh, with Friends of Burnley Gardens... They've got their AGM coming up and combined with the AGM, uh, Sandy Pullman is going to be talking about women gardeners uh, who uh, in 1899 were admitted to study horticulture at uh, Burnley School of Horticulture, which was uh, most uh, revolutionary in its day. Now, this is taking place on Tuesday the 16th of August. Uh, the place is at Burnley Campus there uh, in the main building, room 10. Time is 6 o'clock for the AGM, then 7 o'clock for drinks and nibbles and 7.30 for the talk. It's free if you attend, attend the AGM or it's $5 for members and $15 for visitors if you're just going along for the talk. Now, for inquiries, you can email friends.burnley at gmail.com or you can telephone 9035-6861. They're obviously looking for new committee members if they're letting you in for free as long as you go to the AGM. <laughs> now, that's going to scare everybody yeah. off. Oh, look, I couldn't help myself. I, I, it was the first thing that came into my wicked mind was, you know, oh, free to the AGM. Oh, they might be looking for a new president, you know. <laughs> Clubs do that all the time. They do, they do. You have to get people in through the door somehow. Yep. Um, okay, and on the following day, now I don't know why they're doing, I guess it's got to be uh, during the day, but the, the next day, which is Wednesday, the 17th of August, they're also having a plant sale down at Burnley there, also run by the Friends Group, 12 noon through till 3 o'clock in the afternoon. They'll have um, a range of native, exotic and produce plants. The location will be outside the Student Union building and, again, of course, parking on Yarra Boulevard, Now, their plant list um, is available on their website, and their website is www.fobg, for Friends of Burnley Gardens, fobg.org.au.
And so you can get in early and sort of work out what you want before you and get there. And then race down there. Yeah, yeah. Get there 12 noon sharp. <laughs> yes, that's a good idea. <laughs> Absolutely. Now, uh, coming up, and I don't remember Garden World having a spring launch before. No, I don't think they have. I think this is a new um, innovative event. Yes, mm. okay. Well, uh, this is going to be taking place on Saturday the 20th and Sunday the 21st of August, 10 till 3 on both days. Now, they've got a series of special guests appearing throughout the week- weekend. Um, Vasily will be there on the Saturday, 12 till 2, uh, giving talks about vegetable growing and fruit trees. Um, Brandon Croon is a chainsaw sculptor. He's going to be giving demonstrations from 11 through till 3, um, creating some artwork pieces from timber. Uh, our good friend John Patrick from Gardening Australia will be there on the Sunday, 12 till 2. And, Stephen, you're going to be out there on a yeah. stand on the Sunday. Yeah. yeah, I'll be there from about midday as well. Um, and I'm going out for the Ewood Company, so I'll be out there talking about their product. But I'm very happy to chat to people about their gardening problems or give them some inspiration on things they could be planting, all that sort of stuff. So uh, I'll make myself available for general horticultural requirements as well. I'm sure you'll get prodded for a few of those. Oh, I'm sure. <laughs> um, also, Collector's Corner, uh, the Orchid Society are going to be uh, in Collector's Corner with uh, potting demonstrations there. Um, so there'll be a lot happening down there. There's, there's a, a few landscapers there as well that'll be giving talks. And, of course, their cafe will be open as well. So that's all happening down at Garden World, Saturday the 20th, Sunday the 21st of August, 10 through till 3 on both days. Uh, now, let me see. Also coming up um, on that same weekend, 20th and 21st of August, um, Camellia's Victoria have got uh, a Camellia Festival over the weekend. Again, it's down at the Mount Waverley Community Centre. Now, on the Saturday, 1 till 5 p.m. On the Sunday, 10 till 4.30. Entry is $5. The members will be competing in the Victorian Camellia Championships. So there should be a great display of blooms down there for that one. And also Melbourne's top florists will be competing in the Winter Floral Art Championship. So uh, quite a bit to see there. There'll be camellias for sale and Devonshire teas as well. Uh, now, let me see. Uh, I should also mention, I just need the date if I can find it. Um, where are we? Oh, again, it's, it's the Sunday the 21st, so a lot happening that weekend. Sunday the 21st, 9.30 through till 4 o'clock, down at the Australian Garden Auditorium at um, uh, Royal Botanic Gardens, Victoria's Cranbourne Gardens. Um, there's going to be their next uh, talk. Uh, now, this is going to be Australian conifers, casuarinas, bonsai and more, um, with the whole emphasis being that there's more to Australian trees than gums, wattles and lily pillies. <laughs> <laughs> Now, their speakers are going to be Dr. Roger Spencer, also Dr. Greg Moore, who I'm sure is very familiar with uh, many of our listeners, um, Kevin Ritchie for the Victorian, from the Victorian Native Bonsai Club, uh, Gwen and Roger Elliott will be down there giving a talk, um, John Thompson is going to talk about um, how plants have been utilised and the inspiration for a whole range of other uses over time. So, um, as I said, 9.30 through till 4 o'clock, in the uh, auditorium down at Cranbourne. Bookings are essential. Uh, cost for members of the Friends Group, $60. Non-members, $75. Students are $30. And if you'd like further information 
on that day, you can contact Chloe Foster. Her number is 97253569. Uh, and just uh, finally, oh, I've got a few that I should get to, and these are on the next weekend, so I might leave those for a little while and come back to them. But, Stephen, while well, I think about it, you've got a couple of things to mention Well, there the closest too. one coming up uh, is Saturday the 13th of August, and this is for Plant Trust, the, the Garden Plants Conservation Association of Australia. And we're going to have a walk in the botanic gardens. And Virginia Haywood, who is everybody here is familiar with because Virginia comes on air regularly, mm-hmm. and I uh, are going to be leading a tour to look at some of the plant collections within the botanic gardens. Great. Because uh, the gardens, apart from a whole pile of different collections of plants, of course, they have the registered collections of camellias, viburnums, pomodarus, and oricaraceae, so native conifers, actually. Yes, right. Uh, well, native and uh, other southern hemisphere conifers, because the oricaraceae mm-hmm. family is a family of strictly southern hemisphere conifers. Uh, so we'll be going to have a look at those. We'll be having a lunch at Domain House. Uh, it starts at about 10 in the morning. Uh, if people book, they'll get further details on booking. Uh, but uh, they can either ring the office for Plant Trust on 96505639 or they can ring Don Journay on 0439034194 or they could go to planttrust.inet.net.au. So they're the different ways you can get in, in touch with Plant Trust. And coming up a little later, and this is something to plan for, I guess, Plant Trust on the 22nd of September is having their big yearly plant auction. It's a great night. Uh, we meet at Domain House, which is down Dallas Brooks Drive, so directly straight down from the herbarium. Um, and it starts at 6.30 with wine and cheese and a chance to view the plants that are on offer so that, again, you can sort of suss out which ones you particularly want to bid for. Um, there'll, be, um, there'll be a door prize. There'll be raffle prizes, all that sort of stuff as well. Uh, there's a short AGM in the middle of it. See, that's how we do it. We put the AGM <laughs> you, in the middle. You disguise it in the middle. Yeah, we disguise it in the middle, but it will be uh, uh, on and off again within half an hour. Our AGMs are very quick, and they're, and they're not too um, onerous. Um, and I presume you're not stepping down as president. As far as I know, I'm not allowed to. Okay. <laughs> uh, and then after that, we've got our big plant auction, and yours truly is the auctioneer, uh, and it's a lot of fun. Um, we, we have plants that come from a lot of our collection holders, so we have some fairly rare and interesting things. Um, I regularly get plants there I've never heard of before, so you know there's some pretty remarkable stuff that shows up. Um, so our collection holders and some of our other friends in the nursery industry and things donate plants, uh, and I get up there and try and wheedle money out of people for these plants. And it's great fun, uh, and it's the main fundraiser for Plant Trust each year. So it's the 22nd of September. I would love to see a big crowd there because the bigger the crowd, the easier it is to sell the plants. <laughs> because if you've only got a few people and you've got a lot of plants to sell, it can be a bit difficult. So it's nice to know that we have a good sized crowd there, all enthusiastic and uh, all with their cash in their pockets and things so that they can come and, uh, and spend it on some plants. And I've regularly walked away with some wonderful plants myself that uh, I've been able to add to my collection. So... Um, I would thoroughly recommend it. It's a great night out. So that's from 6.30 at Domain House, Thursday the 22nd of September. Um, it's a free event. Nobody, there's no charge involved. So you can come along, have a glass of wine, have some cheese, uh, have a look at the plants, uh, and we'll get the money out of you in another way. 
<laughs> which is our plan. Um, so that's Plant Trust. I just want to mention in passing too, if anybody's interested in hellebores, the hellebore farm over at Ashbourne near Wood End, Peter Lee's post office farm nursery is open again now every Sunday. Excellent. Uh, right through the winter months from... Um, well, it was open from the 5th of June, but it goes right through to the 25th of September. So you've got a fair bit of time to zoom over and see Peter and have a look at some of those amazing... Oh, he's incredible, isn't he? They are, they're amazing, oh, aren't they? Some I of mean, the hybrids are yeah, just incredible. You, you, he bought you, some you, stock over for me yeah, uh, yeah. about a week or so ago, and there's double black ones, there's yeah. double oh, yellows, yeah, double greens, yeah, true, 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 picketed true. pinks. Oh, right. uh, amazing. Some, some of them are holding their heads up a bit more than the old yeah, ones. Yeah, yes. they're, they're getting you, a little you, bit you, better you, at you, doing you, that. You, you used to do. Yeah, so so the Hellebore Nursery's open every Sunday, and it's... From 10 till 4 uh, each Sunday now right through till almost the end of September. Okay. So that's another good thing to keep in the back of your mind. And I guess a little longer down the track, I guess, for some people, but again, a date that should go into people's diaries, uh, is the Garden Lovers Fair that the Mount Macedon Horticultural Society run at the beautiful Garden of Bolabek at the bottom of Mount Macedon. Uh, It's the 17th and 18th of September. So put that in your diary, 10 a.m. to 4 p.m. both days. Uh, It's $10 to get into the fair, and that includes going through the garden as well, so it's quite good value, I think. There will be a range of speakers throughout the two days. I think I'm doing one on the Sunday at some stage. Um, And there will be probably around, I think last count we had 25 stallholders were going to be there. And it's not just plants. I mean, there'll be people there selling garden furniture, garden ornaments, uh, uh, seed, uh, you know, all sorts of things. Uh, there'll be growers from all sorts of different parts of the industry there, you know, selling natives, perennials, fruit trees, you name it, there'll be somebody there doing it. Mm-hmm. And, of course, most of them are growers, so you'll get an opportunity to talk to the people who produce the plants instead of just going to a whole uh, retail nursery to buy them. So you, you've got this huge amount of acquired wisdom that will be in the place uh, and a great opportunity to take advantage of that Mm. so uh, and there'll be a coffee cart there there'll be food available you know so all that sort of stuff Uh, and if you can't spend a good half day or more uh, just at Bolabek looking around the garden and doing the, the plant fair, I'd be really surprised. So, so put that in your diaries for the 17th and 18th of September. We'd like to see everybody there. Uh, we'd be happy to see bus groups coming from garden clubs and hort societies and things. Uh, it could be a great day out for people. Um, and there's plenty of parking in the paddocks at Bolabek, so we can get um, plenty of cars in. So there's no reason why you can't all come up and see us that weekend. So, mm. so they're my bits and pieces. Excellent. Yeah. Just getting back to your Royal Botanical Gardens in Melbourne there, I uh, took my, do- my daughter and I, and plus, a, plus a dog, went for a walk through, through the Botanical Gardens there. And I was surprised. I think, you know, I been, hadn't been there for a while, but they've upped their game. I thought the labelling was good sort of thing mm. and the, the tidiness of the, the, the trees and stuff. And a lot of interest there for people who love, love their plants. You, it's right at our back door there, and sometimes we miss out. So it's beautiful there to wander around there. Well, visitors go there all the time because it's, yeah, a, it's a highlight yeah, of visiting true, Melbourne, true, really. True, 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 true. But, yes, mm-hmm. us locals tend not to be as engaged with it as we probably should mm, I agree absolutely mm. yep okay as I say I do have some more but I will uh, come back to those in a little while to give our listeners a chance to uh, ring in and of course we are opening the talkback lines now if you'd like to call in and ask a gardening question this morning particularly if you want to ask about fruit trees while well, we have Graham Morrison in the studio we'd love to hear from you that number is nine four one nine zero one double five to speak to Stephen or Graham or myself or we also have Anne on the outside line if you'd like to have a chat to Anne 
Um, because we were just mentioning Peter Lee, um, let's talk about the hellebore. Oh, yeah, well, I did bring one along, and it wasn't necessarily supposed to be a segue, <laughs> but there you go. Um, I mean, the big hybrids are stunning, but I am actually very fond of the wild species yes. hellebores as well, and I think they, they're, they're being a little left behind by the flamboyance of some of the new hybrids and things that are available. And the one I brought along today is uh, a species hellebores called Helleborus lividus, and lividus comes from Mallorca, so it sounds really exotic anyway. Uh, so it just comes from the one little island, uh, so it's one of those island endemics, mm. uh, and it's comparatively short hellebore. It's one of the stemmed hellebores, so it comes up with a little bit of a trunky bit, bit at the base. It has beautiful foliage, this wonderful grey-green foliage with sort of white marbling and a bit of burgundy reverse to the leaves. And when the flower stems come up, they've got this sort of rather beautiful pinky copper colour and the flowers themselves have got sort of a green and a pinkish coppery sort of mm. tone to them. So the whole the whole of the plant is beautifully coordinated in colour uh, and it's so it's perhaps splashy, but it's really elegant and, and a really attractive hellebore. Um, it's also a little more sun-loving than some, so you can actually That's plant useful. this in a, in a reasonably open aspect. Uh, if it's happy where you plant it, it will likely self-seed. Um, it's not going to cross with your garden hybrid hellebores, so if you get seedlings come up, unless you have it quite close to the other uh, island endemic hellebores, uh, Arcutifolius, that comes from Corsica, they can actually cross. Right. Uh, and, and there's a whole range of hybrids that are called the Sternii hybrids that were produced from that cross. Um, but basically it should stay pretty pure, um, and so you could end up with a nice little colony all of you know standard-looking hellebores. And so I don't think the species one should be ignored. I think they are great garden plants in their own right, and certainly some of the stemmed ones like Lividus and Arcutifolius and Fetidus and things are really quite different-looking hellebores, uh, and so they give a, a whole different concept to the plant in the garden. So I think they're well worth growing, um, and I'm particularly fond of this one. It's a yeah. particularly robust-looking plant, Stephen. It's, a good, it, it's actually a good doer, yet it's not a big grower. Yeah. I mean, the plant I've got here is in what we would have called a six-inch pot. <laughs> I still struggle with it's the metric sometimes. And... It's almost full size. I mean, it doesn't grow a lot bigger than no, no, that. No, no, no. So it's what, um, 15 to 20 centimetres tall, I suppose, uh, and nearly as wide in the base of the leaves, uh, and that's sort of what you'll get. But very strong, upright stems, yeah. lovely yeah. big leaves, really yeah. good foliage. Oh, yeah. Uh, look, you'd grow a plant like this for its foliage oh, alone. Oh, you would. You know, I mean, the leaves yeah. are just so good. And although there's nothing wrong with the leaves of the hybrid hellebores, there's a, a distinct sameness about them. So it's nice to get something that's a little bit different mm. so that it carries you through the year a bit more, I guess, in a sense, because yes. you've got this lovely foliage even when you haven't got the flowers. Yeah, yeah, yeah. So hellebores lividus, and I think it's a... A really charming it's very plant. attractive indeed. It's yeah. sculptural, isn't it? You know, yeah. It's just, just a, a lovely shape as well. Yeah. Oh, I think it's a very, yeah. very pretty and elegant plant. It may be just about enough to draw me to uh, Mallorca, really. <laughs> uh, there is a thought that that might happen one day. You just never know your luck. So, yeah, so Hellebores Livid is a very, very pretty plant, and you can obviously get it from Peter if you happen to be over there. In fact, ask him to show you the species Hellebores. Uh, and, of course, I have them at the nursery at my place as well. Uh, um, but, yeah, don't get completely carried away by his double blacks and other sundry things and, you know, have a look at some of the species hellebores too. Mm. Yeah, 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 yeah. Excellent, ones. excellent. It's interesting in these uh, isolated islands that, uh, you, like you said, the in, in endemic things, 
uh, maybe they, they just start off and they can be so different to the main, oh, yeah. m- m- mainland con- continents, aren't they? They, they? Over the evolution thing, they, they, they just... Yeah, they uh, do. They do, evolve do, in all do, sorts do, of different Evolve in their own way. Yeah, yeah. yeah. and yeah. certainly the hellebores have done that with the two or three species that come from the Mediterranean islands. Each of them are from different islands and each of them yeah, are quite uniquely yeah, sure. different looking hellebores. Mm. Uh, and yet they've obviously got a... Uh, a combined ancestor back somewhere because uh, it's mainly the stemmed hellebores you see, so they're all got they're all from the same group within the genus, but they're all quite uniquely different. Maybe, so, maybe a bird travelled across with a few s- s- seeds, or you know, uh, and, well, and more start, likely start that an island it. disappeared, or, or yeah. land erupted out of the ocean and created yeah, land bridges, yeah. and these things sneak yeah, across yeah, that yeah, way. I reckon half the sure. time. Yeah, yeah. So. Yeah. Yeah, so I want to get to some more of those islands. I mean, I've done Crete, and that was fantastic because you saw the, the endemic plants on Crete. I mean, they've got a lot of endemic plants. Um, and there's the Canaries. I wouldn't mind going oh, yes. there and having a look at the endemic flora there. Yes. Uh, and certainly Mallorca and Corsica. And I mean, there's an amazing array of places you could go to see really interesting yeah, endemic that's plants. Right. Sure, sure, sure. So that's we, where I want to go we, maybe next. We, I don't know. We finished our American, uh, South America. We got the Galapagos Islands. and oh, uh, yes. We went through there, and again, you know, get this u- u- unique flora and s- 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 certainly uh, the, the an- animals and b- bird life there. Some of the birds that you'd never see in a fit el- el- elsewhere, just because they're sort of I- I- isolated and they've uh, evolved in that particular environment. So interesting. Yep, fantastic. Uh, probably mm. g- getting off the beaten track a bit, but there was a cu- couple of birds they call them b- boobies, a little, pretty little bird, and uh, because there was no real predators there, they they just you know you can walk up to them sort of thing, they've got no, no fear of humans at all, just a, a, a memory there, it's this booby bird he's sitting, she's sitting on an egg and uh, just beautiful looking bird and the, the male is just right, right beside her there, and then uh, we, we just came up to them and he, he puts on a bit of an act, he, he puts his head up in the air and does this call, and then he, he pl- plods around, round and round around her, so to keep her amused sort of thing, you know, because it's pretty boring sitting on the egg sort of thing, and I thought it was just a lovely oh, thing. Rather you know. attentive husband <laughs> 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 Sounds great. one of those around. Yeah, so one wonders why we call people boobies. <laughs> yeah. Yes, very, very misnamed. Yes. <laughs> oh well. Okay, you are listening to the 3CR Gardening Show. We're running through until 9.15 this morning. In the studio, we have Stephen Ryan from Dixonia Rare Plants, Graham Morrison, who's our, our fruit tree guru. Uh, do give us a call, 94190155, to speak to the team on air or to have a chat to Anne on the outside line, 94198377. And don't leave it till the last minute this morning. <laughs> and then we can't get everyone in. <laughs> yeah, yes, if you've got a question, get in early. I always think it's a good move. Uh, okay, let's move on to the camellia. Yes, now, this is a camellia for those who've got a sense of humour, I think. Uh, it's a Japanese selection. Now, I knew it was Japanese, and you know how I thought Why? it would have to be Japanese? Because of the twisting nature of yeah. the trunk and yeah. the branches. Yeah, it's, it's, it's obviously a, an aberrant form that's come about either as a sport on a tree or as a seedling. And I call it the crazy camellia because it, its branches it curl is, and yes. twist everywhere. Yep. So it's almost like a, uh, a, a madcap bonsai that, 
does it all by exactly. itself. Exactly. But you could see it in a Japanese garden. Oh, yeah. yeah perfect. Perfect. Yeah. Uh, so it, it's a japonica, so it's a camellia yes. japonica. Yes. Uh, it has flowers very much like the wild camellia japonica, just a, a large, single, cerise pink flower. It flowers prolifically. Mm. You can see well, on look this at all the buds. buds on a small tree. It's loaded in flower buds. Yep. And it flowers over quite a long period, too, because they don't all come out at once. So uh, the first flowers came out a few weeks ago. I'll still have flowers on, on these camellias probably end of September. Mm. So, you know, you'll get two and a half, maybe three months of flowers on it. But it's the shape of the plant that is particularly interesting. Absolutely. Uh, and as a bonsai, as a tub specimen, as a centrepiece for a rock garden or oh, perhaps gosh, train yes. out over a fish pond or whatever. All you need is a rock and a Japanese temple. And, and you're, you're right. <laughs> you've got it happening. A little bridge. Now, it has got a Japanese cultivar name. Right. I've never been quite sure how to pronounce it. I will forgive um, you. Uh, but it's probably something like un. Uh, Unryu. It's U-N-R-Y-U. So it's a slightly awkward name to pronounce, but it's at least fairly short. So I'll spell it again in case people are going out looking for it. It's U-N-R-Y-U. And it is a form of Camellia japonica. And so therefore it's it's probably no harder to grow than any other Camellia that you might have in the garden. Um, I've planted one in the garden at home and I'm actually thinning mine. Uh, as it goes, so that I can open it up and actually expose the branch arrangement even oh, more. Oh, lovely. So I'm just going through and, and plucking out little side branches and things just to show off these amazing sort of curly branches. Mm. So I think it's a, it's a fascinating plant. I think it's wonderful. And, uh, uh, yeah, it's, I don't know, you, you sort of get bored with the same old, same old sometimes. And uh, camellias... In general, a large, bushy, evergreen shrubs with very dark, glossy foliage, and they come pink, white, or red. Mm. Uh, so it's sort of nice to have something that's a bit quirky and different in the in the genus. Although, having said that, you can get yellow camellias. I know. I don't want people starting ringing in and say, "Oh, but what about that one, Stephen?" <laughs> you know, there's always exceptions, um, uh, but they're the ones I actually look for. Mm. You know, if I'm going to have a group of plants in the garden, I don't want the same ones everybody no. else has. No. So, you know, I would plant species camellias or other camellias that don't look like the sort of classical japonica or sasanqua camellia that we're used to uh, because I think they're more interesting. When I looked at the, 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 the shape of the stems winding around, it reminds me of the crazy filberts, you know, the way yeah, it's sort of Exactly. Yeah, well, that's actually why I call it a crazy camellia because yeah. it seems to be even more appropriate than the filberts. Yeah. Uh, but it, it is that exact sort of growth yeah. pattern. Mm. And there are a number of plants that have developed this sort of strange curly twisty stem pattern uh, nobody's quite sure what causes it or anything, yeah, but uh, right. you've got the filbert, you've got yeah. this camellia. There's, of course, the contorted willows, the willow, yes. Yes. which yeah, d- yeah, does yeah, it as well. Sure. There's a gladitzia that's being sold out there called oh, Lace okay. Lady. That It's a dwarf gladitzia with curly, yeah. twisty branches okay. on it. So there's a, a number of plants that have developed this strange growth pattern. Yeah, yeah. And it's, uh, so it's, it's certainly wonder how that it would be an advantage evolutionary-wise. I don't think it is, Graham. <laughs> I, I just think it's one of those weird things that we see is ornamental, uh, it probably wouldn't survive in the wild. Yeah, okay, uh, okay. Well, the original plant might well, but it probably doesn't throw seedlings that would okay. do it as well. So because we grow them from cuttings or in the case of the gladitzias and some of those other things, they're budded or grafted. Um, that does remind me, if anybody is out there looking for a contorted filbert for their garden, make sure you buy it on its own roots. A lot of people oh, bud yeah. them or graft no, them graft, onto hazel. Grafted, you see them grafted, yeah. Yeah, oh, okay. and I've got yeah. one in the garden that my yeah. mum gave me when I was 18 yeah. that was grafted because that's the only way you could buy them back in those days. Yeah. And 
for all those years it is suckered. Yeah, and I have yeah, to get underneath it every yeah, year yeah, and yeah, cut yeah, out the suckers yeah, uh, <laughs> because it's the understock shooting again. So yeah, always ask for a filbert, yeah, a contorted filbert, on its own roots. Yeah, suckers, oh. suckers never give up. They just keep on coming out. Oh, of course yeah. they do, yeah, Graham. Yeah, and, uh, <laughs> and if you let them get out of hand, you can end up with something like a blasted power pole going right up through the middle of your, your filbert. Yeah, yeah, that's uh, right. And you've got to get the chainsaw out to deal with it. Bye-bye, crazy filbert. Yeah, so always buy filberts. Uh, the contorted crazy types on their own roots. And they are out there. There are growers doing them on their own roots. And the way they do it is by layering them. Okay. Yeah. 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 So they, they actually dig up a whole plant, put it in a trench, leave tips sticking up. And so the whole plant basically roots down and then they chop and it up. And then they chop it up. Yep. Uh, and so it's probably not as economical as budding and grafting because you can get so much stock from that way of propagating. Yep. But it's certainly long term a far better bet if you can get them on their own roots. Good advice, my yeah. Excellent. So, but yes, this camellia is not grafted either, but it grows from cuttings. So, um, you don't have to worry about understocks with it. Yep, great. Okay, let's go to the last plant you've got there. Oh, you've got a couple. Yeah, I've got a couple more. Okay. This, this one I bought in for its foliage, and it's actually an angelica, uh, but it's not the culinary angelica, and I'm not altogether sure you can use this for anything. Okay, but uh, the foliage is a dead giveaway, isn't it? It is. It's an angelica-like foliage. It doesn't grow as big as the culinary angelica. It's a smaller plant, but it tends to be a biennial in much the same way as classic angelica. So it grows the first year or so. Then it'll send up a flower spike about a metre, metre and a half tall. And I love it when it goes to flower because the flower heads, before they expand, are wrapped up in this bright green parcel. Oh. At the top of the stem, so it looks like this package ready to open. Okay. Uh, and so the flowering plant looks really effective, but it's the really glossy, shiny foliage that yeah. you grow. Very plant. glossy. It looks like somebody's been out with the Mr. Sheen or something. It does. And like the ordinary culinary angelica, it does better in a spot that's not too dry, uh, preferably with a deepish source so it can get its roots down. And it will lightly self-seed itself around once you've got the original plant going to flower and of course the original plant will then die after flowering so it will disappear but it will produce more than enough seed to be going on with and you'll end up with a little drift of them okay. and if you've got more than you want you can always pull them out exactly. so they're, they're not a big deal um, but it's just such a good foliage plant and a well-grown one I mean this one's just in a, in, a, in a pot so it's comparatively small but a well-grown plant in the garden can be nearly a metre wide by half a metre tall oh, in foliage right. got loads, yeah. so yeah. a reasonable size yeah. uh, and then when it comes up into flower, of course, the whole thing elongates up through the middle. Um, and um, there's a whole range of interesting angelicas out there that you know, they sort of come and go in cultivation a bit because of their generally biennial nature. And so if you, in some cases, if you don't collect some seed and sow it, then it tends to fade out on you. Mm. In the case of this glossy angelica, I find that it self-seeds quite nicely of its own accord. And so I just pull out the ones mm. I don't want. Mm. Um, and it looks fantastic with other self-seeders like forget-me-nots and things like that. You know, this wonderful glossy foliage is a great foil for all sorts of things. Oh, yeah. Uh, it would look great with early bulbs. Uh, I can see it with sort of bright yellow daffodils and all that sort of thing with this glossy bright mm. green foliage. Mm. Uh, and, yeah, I, so I think we should be looking at some of these plants as just 
come again things that once you've got them, they just sort of maintain themselves and just keep coming back. Uh, but it is interesting. A plant like this is quite hard to sell at times because people, when they buy a plant in a pot from the nursery, somehow or another, unless it's a tomato that they know is only going to last for the season, they somehow feel they're being ripped off buying a plant they know is going to mm. die in 12 months. Mm, <laughs> and yet it's going to sell seed and you're always going to have it. So exactly. it doesn't make a lot of sense to me. But I've tried a few different rare biennials over the years and you've got to explain to people the growing pattern of them and once they, you tell them that they'll flower next year and then that plant dies you can see their eyes go sort of blank yeah. straight away you know <laughs> well, why would I buy that yeah, and so yeah there, there's a, a bit of a culture shift needed for people to yeah. appreciate these plants uh, and I love the fact that because they sell seed they often come up in quite naturalistic drifts um, mm. which can look really good mm. in a sort of a slightly wilder sort of garden. Mm. Uh, I might, it might be a bit of a nuisance to those who have everything in straight lines and you know, okay. all encircled by box hedging and whatever. Uh, <laughs> but for the more naturalistic gardener, I think the self-sowers are actually quite useful. Definitely. And none of these things have got any particular weedy potential because they tend to only self-seed into, um, into um, cultivated or disturbed soil. So they're not likely to get out into the bush or cause any issues for anybody. Yep. Um, and, you know, whilst they're in your garden, they're very easy to manage. Mm. What you say there reminds me of the indoor plants in Europe. They say, you know, you have an indoor plant. Okay, you might have colder climates and things, but it, it, it dies after a month or two months. And you out that and bring another indoor plant in. Whereas in Australia, if your indoor plant dies, it's a d- disaster. You know, you you, yeah. you, you, you failed horticulture. Thing. Yeah, but, and uh, in fact, so, they'll yeah. hold on to something on the on the cusp of death for ages, and you think, why would you have that burnt, miserable-looking phalaenopsis sitting there um, when you had six or eight months of flowers out of it? That's far better than a bunch of flowers. Yeah. You chuck it out and start again. Yep. You know, but, yeah, they'll, they'll determinedly hang on to something that is no longer ornamental. Exactly. You know, it's a disaster. And, yeah, and you think, well, what's that all about? I mean, I'm actually happy to discard something if it's looking a bit frowsy. I don't want people to see that I'm failing as a horticulturist. <laughs> uh, so, you know, out to the compost heap with it, and yes, you go and buy a new one. Good, good for our nursery trade as well. Yeah, well, it does. It helps keep us in business as well, so there is that as well. But, yeah, if a plant's not, not functioning, whether actually whether it be an indoor plant or an outdoor plant, uh, you've got to take that decision in yeah, due course. You sure. can't just leave yeah, something yeah, there yeah, for yeah, ages. Yeah, yeah. You, it it's, makes it's, you feel it's, guilty. It's right in, in our gardens as well, isn't it? Yeah. So, so often they'll hang on to something that is... It's not, 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 not attractive. It's just, you know, it, yeah. it, it's a blot on the rest of yeah. your, your plants. But, in fact, I'd rather know, have something <laughs> collapse and die promptly than hang around miserably for years on end. So, uh, but no, I'm brutal. If something doesn't yeah. work and I've done everything I can do for it, it's the way to go. Yep. You take yeah. it out and then you get a gap. You can plant something else. Yeah, yep. It gives you the opportunity to yeah. get Absolutely. Going. Yeah. So there's been a query, Stephen, whether it's sun or shade loving. Oh, look, I think it will grow in virtually every aspect in the garden. I find it best in semi-shade. Yes, I would have thought. But it seems to cope with a fair bit of sun as well. So it doesn't seem, as long as it's got a moisture-attentive soil, uh, it doesn't seem to mind where it is. Okay. Um, uh, Certainly, I've got some growing down my driveway at the nursery that's on the south side of the general store next to me, and so it gets no direct sunlight at all. And it's flourishing, you know, sort of working its way through the narrow garden bed along the side of the shop. Uh, But I've had it out in full sun in the garden at home as well or as full sun as I can offer and it doesn't seem to have worried it particularly. Okay. So it's a very adaptable plant. You'd, 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 you'd think it could 
cope with sun in that it reflects most of the light back, back at you. you yeah, know? well, yes, it's such a glossy leaf, you, and, and it's a fairly firm foliage too, so it's not sort of soft and, and sappy. It's, yep. it's, a, it's a nice firm foliage. Yep. Uh, so, and it does store a lot of moisture in its stems as well, so although it likes a moisture-retentive soil, I reckon it would go for a week or so without too much water and it would be fine too. So mm. very adaptable. So once you've got it, you'll probably always have it. Yep. Mm. Wonderful. Good plant. Okay. Graham, we should give you an opportunity to have a chat about some of the things you brought in because um, you seem to keep growing things on steroids these days, I have to say. Uh, yeah, a box full of good goodies here. I, I, I can't really help myself, Pam. <laughs> I, I, you know, the last camp I had, I had 50 berries and fruit trees in my garden. It's not, not a big, it's a third of an acre rather right. than you know, <laughs> 20 And I'm assuming 20 not acres. all of them are on dwarfing rootstocks <laughs> Well, no, 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 yeah, you're right. <laughs> Unfortunately, you know, now the opportunity there with dwarfing stocks, and I've got quite a few of these trees get, getting away from me. Yeah, right on, I would have preferred to put a, a, a dwarfing variety in but I think I heard you talking about Yacon last last week yes, sort of yes. thing. Yeah, 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 yeah. It's one of the bigger tubers. A bit un- unattractive, that one. But yes, it's not it, the prettiest looking tuber no, you no, could have bought no, in, no, Graham. No, no, Poor old thing. It sort of it looks to me like it could do with some um, uh, some ponds cream or something. It's all cracked and scarred yeah, looking. Yeah, yeah, getting up to mini football size sort yeah, of thing. It certainly is. <laughs> but uh, as you were saying last week, it's, it's a tough thing, you know. I put it in my garden. Again, it's been grown for. Eons in uh, in South America, sort of thing, and a basic part of their their food crop. It's a crunchy thing, you know. Yeah. You, you get it's, it's like I, celery without I, I, the strings. Yeah, that's right. And I, I like crunchiness in my mouth, like a fig. I think that's part of the deal, sort of thing. A crunch. It's just a sensual sort of a, just an experience. And and uh, I, I've uh, you know, cook, cooked it. It goes a bit transparent on mm. on cooking and, and a bit bland and you know not also. But and they, they're saying a reading in the literature, and they're saying even in fruit salads they'll put put, put into fruit salads yes. these days. So I could imagine it, you know, just, just being an additive in fruit salad would be, be quite good. More for its crunch, I would have thought, than its flavour. Yeah, exactly ex- 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 right. But uh, I put them in, I just put four plants and about a third of a barrel full of tubers I picked out of it sort of thing, you know. You, you plant it about this time of the year or a little bit later, harvest them about, uh, I think I got into it, about uh, May, June, and there's an abundance of, t- of t- 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 tubers there, and, you know, you just sit if you want to propagate the things, all those little individual tubers you break off, just like a dahlia, off, off and running again. The plant comes up to about, uh, I suppose, almost two metres, one and a half to two, two metres, little yellow, nothing, nothing flower on the top. But an, an interesting one. Mm. Yeah. And good foliage, though. Lovely. Oh, yes. Yeah, I think really can act, it's, it's actually ed- edible, they say. You can, you can put, 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 put into your stir fries and stuff. Okay. Well, I might but try that. I hadn't tried the foliage. I mean, I've yeah, eaten yeah, the tubers, yeah, but I haven't tried the foliage. Yeah. Yeah, 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 yeah. The other thing I bought, bought in was some, some of the oranges or the orange, orange mandarin family that are more orange than orange to, to look at. You know, they've mm. got this lovely deep colour. That, that, that's a several orange, uh, and. Uh, as, as the name implies, they, 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 they grew a lot in... My wife tells me it's not Seville, as we orchards call it, it's Seville. Yes. <laughs> uh, <laughs> but, uh, you know, just, uh, it's got a particularly dark foliage on, 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 on the Seville tr- tr- tree, and you get these glossy, you know, deep orange fruit fruits on them. It just, 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 just look, 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 looks great in your, in your garden. And, of course, mm-hmm. the best oranges for marmalade. Oh, yes. Oh, yes. yes. Yeah, if tr- you're going to make marmalade, you've got to go several. Absolutely. Fabulous thing. Yes, that's right. I think that 
he used as a rootstock as well. Uh, well, it's a vigorous tree. I've yeah, got a several in the garden at home, and it does very yeah, well indeed. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And in fact, I have far more oranges than I can make marmalade from, <laughs> as a rule. So friends get uh, the largesse. <laughs> yeah, I think uh, they, they, they talk about it as being a dietary supplement, and even for pe- people who are uh, overweight. Uh, and the, it's uh, an appetite suppressor, for goodness sake, in, in the literature I d- d- dug out. Which I'm sure when it's mixed with sugar and made into marmalade, <laughs> it can't not. be good for your weight. Yes. <laughs> uh, I'm not sure how you deal with it otherwise, because it's really quite bitter, isn't it? Yeah, you're, you're right, Graham. Right. So yeah, that's sure. why it's good yeah, in marmalade, yeah, because yeah, it's exactly. got a tang. Exactly. Yep. So lovely, lovely flavor you wouldn't want to eat one off the tree, no, in a way. No, no, no. Remind me, Stephen, we had a tree in the old orchard days close to the road. I looked down from the house, and there. there there's this kids as they do get under the fence and so they an orange tree they're going to get, get into that sort of thing and they peel the oh, orange. I did that on purpose. <laughs> <laughs> peel the orange and <laughs> serves you right, mate. You know. <laughs> yeah, pinch my orange. <laughs> yes. uh, yeah, but still in that same colouring one that's you see them in the supermarkets these days. Honey murkot. Oh yes. Yeah, yeah, yeah. It's a bit different to the you know the imperial mandarin and your emperor mandarin in that it's a more difficult to peel. It's sort of the, the, the peel well, that's no stays, stays on. That's right. Okay. So what is it? What's its parentage? Because this always fascinates mm, me with some of these. Do we know yeah, what, where the honey you, murkot you, comes you, from? You, you've got me there, Steve. Uh, Stephen, I'm, I'm not, not real, real, real sure, sure of that. It's, it gets quite complicated. Tangerines and tan, tan, tangelos. Tangelos. Yeah. Well, tangelos, mandarin, and uh, grapefruit. Grapefruit, right? Yeah. Yes, it's, it's, it's certain years. Yeah, that, so there's, there's something, something different. Well, it's tan, tan, tangerine. I've got a tangerine at home. You know, some of the literature say that tangerine and, and mandarin are synonymous, but it's just what they call it in you know, Europe oh, yeah. as, as opposed to here. Okay. But then, they, then against that, there is a specific tan, t- t- tangerine as well. Uh, uh, we'll have to look, look, look at it and report and report. Yeah, next, report next, back. Next yes, it, it fascinates me because the citrus <laughs> trees are so interesting in what they've bred with yeah, water over the years. And of course, if anybody's on heart medication, they're not supposed to eat grapefruit. And I wonder whether, you know, something like, say, a tangelo that's got grapefruit in it, in the parentage, whether that is also the same issue. Yes, so you probably shouldn't eat that if you're on the appropriate heart pill. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, yeah. So I think uh, they did mention that with the Seville orange too, mm. a little, little bit similar to your grapefruit thing. Ah, if, yeah. if you're on certain medication, mm. not necessarily very, very good for you. The other one that came into that same category, and I really love that one. It's called it's a Tangelo Orlando. Uh, you don't see it in the, in the they don't, uh, I've got a, a, a tree of it and it's just, again, it's not, not a big growing tree. And it's a nice it's looking a, fruit. It's a lovely fruit. Look at the, the, the deep, the deep orange colour on yeah. it. It look, 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 looks lovely. It's very juicy and its at, main attribute is it'll stay on the tree. We, I, I used to pick them in little, you know, you talk, 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 talk about your camellia lasting and mm. the, the, these, these fruits, you, you, you pick, pick them in uh, certainly ju- July and you Pick them right, right through until January. Oh, fantastic! That's and, and amazing. You, know, you look at most of the mandarins, particularly em- emperor mandarin. If it'll stay stay on the tree for about about a month, then they start to go dry on you in, in, inside. We Actually, I have to say, Graham, speaking of mandarins, yeah. I've got a. I think it's an emperor in the garden at home, and it's been mm-hmm. there for years. It's grown perfectly well, but yeah. the fruit has always been dry and useless. Yeah. This year, although they're not big, they're comparatively yeah, small. Right, yeah. I don't know why I did it. I picked one and thought, oh, I wonder what they're like this year, and I ripped yeah. it open, and it's perfect. 
perfectly fine. Yeah. So I'm actually getting good mandarins. Yeah. They're, they're little, mm-hmm. but their flavour's good. Um, and mm-hmm. the tree's covered in them. Yeah, you're doing, so, doing and that's well. massive. Pro- probably so. something to do with the moisture we're we getting. We have had it's more a, rain. Yeah, 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 well, that I may be that, it. That, and yeah, uh, yeah, they're yeah. certainly quite usable yeah. now. I mean, a lot of my citrus are now starting to get to the stage where I'm actually getting quite useful crops from them. Yes. Uh, and I left the mandarin anyway because I thought it was a pretty tree. And, and even if the fruit's useless, it looks pretty on the tree. Yes. Uh, but now I'm actually getting usable mandarin, That's so yeah, yeah, I'm, I'm yeah, yeah, quite yeah. chuffed. I yeah. think, think that that does come in. I know we had a tr- tr- tree in the nursery, and we did get the sprinkler on it. The, the, the water was, you know, more than that, more than you would certainly get with natural ra- rainfall. And that, that was surprised how long, you know, it, it took. A month or two to, to, to get that dryness in them, sort of thing. Mm-hmm. If you keep the moisture to it, or you have a year like this where we've had a lot, a lot of rain, it seems to make a, make a difference to the. Their well, they've certainly holding. been good this year, yeah, so I'm yeah, very sure. pleased with them. And yeah. I've got quite a few. Actually, the, the one fruit tree that I think is my biggest disappointment, and I didn't know this when I planted it, somebody suggested I put in a blood orange, and yes. it doesn't go bloody in my cold no. climate. <laughs> right. I mean, I get usable fruit, but you very rarely even see a stain of that red oh. colour. In in the, in the blood orange. What so, a shame. Yeah, it is. It's sort of sad because I had this vision of getting yeah. my own blood oranges. Oh, yeah. And the tree has done perfectly well and the oranges are perfectly fine. Yeah, sure, sure. What's no, the flavour? The flavour's all right. It's not okay. too bad. I mean, yeah. I, I wouldn't say it tastes any different to a classic orange, though, really. Oh, okay. Uh, and it certainly doesn't have any visual impact no, like no. you get from the blood orange. Because blood orange, when it's when it's a true, you know, mm. coloured blood orange, the flavour is actually yeah. quite intense. Yeah, that's yeah. true. Yeah, well, I'd say this thing just flavor. tastes like yeah. your average you get blood, yeah. navel or whatever. You, you, you. You can buy blood orange juice, I think, yes, which you is, can. is especially a f- f- flavoured one. Yeah. But uh, I think uh, blood, blood, blood orange, even down in Melbourne, uh, Stephen, you get little, very little on the sunny side. On the on the one side of the the orange, you get a little bit of red, 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 oh, red, yeah. red, 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 red colouring. But you got to really be up in Mildura and up in the Renmark. Yeah, and yeah. so it was really a silly idea, as it turns out. But uh, <laughs> I don't even I don't even remember who suggested I do it. But somebody said, "Oh, why don't you put in a blood orange?" Because I sort of had room in the yeah, row of citrus I was planting sounds, to put something sounds else. Sounds terrific. Yeah. Uh, and I thought, oh, that sounds like a good idea. So yeah, but no. Uh, if I had my my turn again, I think I would have put something else in. Right. Um, but it's growing fine. Yep. But, um, and it's a pretty tree. I mean, I've got no objection to the tree. Uh, although I have to say most of my citrus now are getting to a size where this coming spring they're going to have to have a fairly serious pruning yeah, back. Because, yeah, 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 uh, yeah, well, sure. certainly my kaffir lime's about four metres tall now. No, right. Yeah, uh, yeah that's a big boy. Yeah, 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 and, yeah. and it's huge yeah, and thorny yeah, as Billy yeah, yeah. Oh, yeah. Uh, yeah, that's right, sure. And most of the oranges <laughs> and other citrus is now are getting up tall enough that it's getting hard to pick the top fruit. Yeah. Yep. So they're but, going to get a fairly the, strong pruning. Kaffir lime, it's a bit of an overkill when you lose, lose three, three leaves a, uh, a month. <laughs> yes, Graham, Gra- yes, exactly. I mean... I, I, the kaffir probably is one of those trees I could have done without because um, you don't need it very often. No, Although I tell you what, if I'm doing a whole fish in my fish kettle, I always lay the kaffir lime leaves in the bottom. Oh, okay. Not only does the flavour come up into the fish, but it stops the skin of your trout and things sticking, sticking to the metal of the base. What a good, good one. I'll yeah, so try, try, I just try that. Put the yeah, I'm going to try that too. And I don't know why I did it the first time, okay. but anyhow, it works really well as long as you cover the whole base yep. uh, and that way the kaffir lime leaves keep it from sticking to the bottom. Oh, uh, have to try that. Yeah, and then I generally shove a leaf or two inside. So if I'm actually going to use them, I'll probably use about eight or ten leaves in the one cooking process. Okay. 
okay. Yeah, you get a bit of the flavour through as well. Yeah. yeah. But you Lovely. certainly don't use a four-metre tree's worth no. of leaves in any hurry. It's a bit like my bay tree. Well, I, mean. I was going to say my bay tree. Yeah, I mean, true, yeah, what do you do with all those? I mean, you can only do osabuco so often. Exactly. <laughs> so, you know, but I have to say, fresh bay leaves and fresh kaffir lime leaves have got flavour that you don't get out of the dried yeah. product. Oh, yes. Yeah, yeah, true. And because they're there on an evergreen yeah, tree, you can get them every day of the exactly. year you want them. Yep. So, so why dry them? Yep. True, true, true. Or true, buy them dry. True, true, true. And actually, if you want a bay tree, there's now some dwarf ones out there. Good buy idea. Yeah, there's yeah, yeah, there's so one called, market. rather unfortunately, Lil Imp. L I L I M P, little imp, uh, which is supposed to only get to about a metre and a half to two metres. Okay. It makes quite a bushy shrub. Right. Um, and so if you do want a bay tree, but you don't want something that grows to 30 metres, which <laughs> right. bay trees seem to be able to do, um, then look out for the cultivar little imp. Okay. Uh, and it, the leaves are nearly the same size as a normal bay leaf, so it's yep. not like you're getting tiny bay leaves. Not that that would matter, because you just put two in the recipe. Really? Okay. Yeah. yeah, so you just put more in if the leaves are small. But, um, yeah, so there is a small version of that. I can imagine that, that, that dwarf one being used for your, your classic lollipop on a stick. It could in a be pot. very good. Yeah, very good as a potted yeah, plant sure. if yeah. you wanted to have a bay tree that way. Yes. And in fact, they should put um, kaffir limes on a dwarfing understock too. Yeah, I reckon yeah. that'd be a good idea. They, they, they have actually. They have. Yeah. 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 Quite yeah. obviously, I bought mine going. too early. Yeah, uh, sure, sure. Yeah. Yeah. You remind me talking about size when I was in Athens, uh, going up the street, street in a, a bus, and I looked street trees. They're oranges for goodness' sake, and they were, you know, uh, you know, four, 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 four meters high. Yeah. And then pollarded them. Bit sort of thing, taking all the, the, the limbs off the side, sort yeah. of thing, and up to, up to about two, two meters, or the, the, the no limbs, and then with oranges on, on sort of thing, and you know, quite, quite, quite a few well, of them. I, the I think fruit trees in streetscapes are a lovely idea. Um, I'm not sure how some people would react to walking down the street and having oranges above their heads uh, here, but I think it's a nice idea. I mean, uh, the tree is there, and therefore it's sort of in public space, and so if you want an orange, there's one. Exactly. You know, so I'd like to see more. People Councils are so worried that someone's going to slip on one or trip over one. We're so litigious, it's yes. ridiculous in this country. I mean, if you're silly enough to trip over something, it's probably your own fault. I mean, I've done it often enough, and I don't look around for which council to sue. No, exactly. Um, you know, just get on with life. And if you did that, you wouldn't have such high insurance premiums anyway True. if we all, you know, took responsibility for our own actions. So, but I'd love to see more fruit trees used. And yeah. I mean, it doesn't have to be orange trees. I mean, there's probably quite a number of fruit trees that you could plant that aren't a particular nuisance to the general public. Yeah. Um, and, and there's a food source sitting out there for people to Absolutely. make use of. Absolutely. Um, I can imagine a whole pile of several oranges. The amount of marmalade we could make in this country, you know, yeah. we could create a world class. <laughs> <laughs> I reckon a pomegranate tough, would tough make a good street tree. Yeah, yeah pomegranates. And they, they hang on. Yeah. So it's not yeah. like they're dropping all over the place. And they're and so they're pretty. so pretty. Yeah. yeah. The, the flowers, I actually planted flowers, one. flowers are great. I planted one this year for the first time. Oh, By did the way, you? I had two pomegranates available to me and I selected one one. without really knowing which one did what. One was called Wonderful and the other was called Cam... Ben-Hur. No, it was Cam... Cam... 
Kamikaze or something. Okay. It was a name sort of like Kamikaze. It was sort of a, sounded yeah, like a Japanese name, yep. uh, yeah, starting with a K. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Um, and I think I ended up planting Wonderful because I did find a reference to it as being the most popular cultivar in North America yeah, or something. Pretty good standby. Yeah. It is a good That's one. one. Yeah, because it, it was a guess. I had the two to choose from, <laughs> and I thought, well, I want a pomegranate in the garden. <laughs> they were both named clones, so I figured they'd be superior to a seedling one yeah, I'd yeah, bought. Yeah. The, new, yep. the new one is Ben Hur, which is a, a, a they, they marketed as a, a big, big, bigger fruiting one. Yeah, I think there, there are somewhere you know that it's not. They're not the seed is not the part. The seed part is not as hard as you know. With with wonderful, you get the little bit of a shell of fruit on the, on the, around yeah. the seed. Where some of them now have been bred, where it's, it's not that hard seed inside. It's more you know you're going to eat the whole whole bit of the, the, the oh, seed. Oh, that would be with, useful without it being you know. The, Damn. The hard, well, I just put wonderful yeah. in. <laughs> Yes. Well, I certainly get quite a hard seed in the middle of mine. But it is a wonderful flavour. Oh, yeah. Oh, it's fantastic. I just juice them. Yeah. Yeah, that's the other thing. And they're wonderful. And and you can put them in ice cube trays, you know, and freeze them. Yeah, good, good, good. Yeah, no, that. Love the flavour. Yeah, yeah, so maybe we should have those as street trees. Oh, I think they'd be so pretty, so pretty. We've we've had a query up here, Stephen. Um, Can a three year old Labageria be moved? If. It possibly needs more sun as it looks unhappy where it is. It has a little afternoon sun at the moment. It sounds to me like it's getting enough sun anyway. Uh, I mean, Lapageria is one of those plants I would put somewhere where it got no direct sunlight but plenty of light. Mm. So, you know, so uh, I grow them in the shade house where they've got a 50% shade cloth over them. Right. So that takes the heat out of the sun, but they still get plenty of light on them. Yep. Um, <laughs> It may just be a soil issue. It could be, um, it could be a number of things. Uh, the Lapageries are very prone to red spider mite if they're not getting enough rain and moisture around their foliage. Okay. So if it's under an eave or something like that, they can get red spider mite, which knocks them to bilio. The other thing that knocks them about too is that all of their strong growth comes from below ground level. So whatever's up there sort of sits there and it just gets little bits and pieces on it. But the next set of new growth that's going to overtop the previous growth comes up from the root system. So you'll get this strong shoot that will come up and slugs and snails love them. Mm. So if they mow them off often enough, the lapageria will stunt. Yep. Um, and that could be part of the problem. So yeah, what I would do is I'd scratch back and see if there's a whole pile of little stubs under the ground where the snails and slugs have been mowing off the... <laughs> The new shoots coming up. As they do. Yeah, and uh, so you may have to put pellets down or you may have to work out some technique of dealing with slugs and snails. Um, having said all of that, lapidurias will shift fine, but I'd do it right now if I was going to shift to lapiduria while it's still fairly dormant. Um, um, and just for interest's sake, if you've got more than one lapiduria, they get fruit and they're edible. Okay. So uh, I've, I've tasted them. Yeah. It's sort of got a – it's a green – Fruit about three inches long, I suppose, and about an inch and a half wide. Uh, And it's full of white seeds and white pulp. And the pulp is sweet, but it doesn't have, I wouldn't have said, a particularly sort of unique flavour of its own. It's just a sort of a sweet, pulpy thing. Uh, But, yes, you can eat them, but Lapidurias need to cross-pollinate So you've got to have two different clones if you're going to get fruit on on the plant. So you can't get fruit off one individual Lapiduria, unfortunately. Uh, But that's just a side issue. I mean, you grow them for their gorgeous flowers and the fact that they're the Chilean national emblem. Uh, So uh, beautiful plant. So I hope that sort of helps with that. Yep, okay. We're going to uh, Alison, who's in Bomoris. Good morning, Alison. Hello. Uh, we want some advice about finger lights. 
right. uh, what varieties to grow here and what, um, how to look after them. Mm. Alison, that's a, a coincidence. Right in my little yeah. hot, hot hand here. Graham I, I, just I, happens I, I, to have. I have a <laughs> finger lime in front of me, so there you go. <laughs> this one is called uh, Red Champagne. Uh, I think I probably went for it because of its, its, uh, its colour and its attractiveness uh, as a fruit. Yes. It, it, interesting. Pam, you've got uh, at least one in your garden, haven't I've you? Got two. Two, I've got two. two. Yeah, yes, sure. I've, got, yeah. I've got the red champagne as well, but I've okay. also got one of the, the elongated, longer yes. finger limes. But yeah. again, it's, um, it turns um, almost black when it's ripe, oh, so it's yes. not yeah. green on ripening. So oh, when, okay. you, when you open it up... Um, the little, the little, um. Yes, food sacks or what are they called? Yeah, yeah, yeah. Balls for want of a better yeah, word inside yeah. a. The lime caviar. The lime caviar. <laughs> yeah, that's right. <laughs> but they're, they're not green. Again, they're, they're pink. Yeah, so I, both of them are actually yes, pink when yes, I open them up. Yeah, sure, but, sure. um, yeah, yeah. I, the, the, the caviar one that you've got mm, there is actually yeah. beautifully sweet. Yeah, yeah, it sure, hangs sure. on the tree. It takes longer to ripen than the, than yes, the elongated yes, ones. Yes, yes, yes. Um, yeah, which is a good thing. They hang on the tree and they look good on the tree. They look fantastic, but you need to wait until they virtually drop off. Yeah, okay, they need to get them yeah, really ripe. Okay, sure, um, yeah, yeah, but yeah. Mine, grow, mine grow in a, a reasonably shaded area. Yeah, I was area. going to say, it's one of they're those citrus that are, yeah, they're quite good in the shade, aren't they? They are. They grow very well in the sun. Yes. Any, any of them, any varieties, or just that one? No, any varieties okay. I've found. Any of them. They're an interesting thing yes. in that I guess the CSIRO did quite a bit of breeding and, and crossing the yes. na- native finger lime with, 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 with other things like calamondin and uh, uh, other, other citrus species. Mm-hmm. But uh, uh, I think they, the promoters have gone a bit wild and saying red champagne. Uh, they, they, they argue that it's a perfect complement for drinking your champagne. Pain. Uh, and even with, with fine, fine, fine beers, I think, on their ta- tags. Sort of oh, so we're, tr- we're trying to hit the upper end of the market here. <laughs> yeah, that's right. Definitely on, on oysters and smoked salmon. Okay. okay. Yes, yes, that's where I'd go with them. Yes. <laughs> Will they grow in just morning, a bit of morning sun, or do they really need a bit more than that? I've got one growing oh, in the shade. I think they'd be fine in morning sun. Yep, I think they'd be fine that way. And mine are still in pots. I haven't put them in the ground. I'm keeping, and I'm I'm going to keep them that way because they're they're very happy. They took a couple of years to really start to set fruit, and now I'm getting I'm getting massive crops now because they're about four or five years old now. You to think back into their natural habitat. I don't know where they came from. Whether it was, you know, they're an understory and that sort of situation, or where they actually. Uh, it's uh, like it's not. To, I mean, by their habit, yeah, I would suggest yeah, they were an understory, understory plant. Yeah, sure, so yeah. Sure. yeah, they they are prone to uh, citrus gall wasp, yeah. like any other yeah, citrus yeah, plant. Yeah, that's, so that's that, that is a worry. You got just got to be vigilant. And you've just got to be vigilant, what, 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 but they don't it? seem yeah. to be get affected as heavily as no, as a okay. lemon no, no, no. Okay. or a, yeah, a sure. lime. Yeah, I found, but yeah, you do still need to be vigilant and yeah, chop out yeah, any where you can yeah. see it. And I think, Alison, with all, as with all citrus, they like good, good, good drainage. You know, if, you, if you've got a, a place and it's a, it's a boggy place, it's certainly not the place to put them. No, we, we, well, we're, 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 yeah. It's here at Sandy Soil. Yeah, you'll be fine there's, there's, with there's, there's, there's them. There's no, no, no yeah. worries there. They seem yeah. a pretty hardy little tree. Oh, they are. Yeah, sure. And I, I believe they should be, you should get grafted once. 
Yeah, well, well both of mine are, and yeah. both of mine are uh, one yeah. of the CSIRO. I've got a sense that most of them are grafted. Yeah. I don't yes. think yeah, you can true. buy them as cutting-grown yeah. or seedling-grown plants. Well, there, are, there are, there are, I think they did have a few seedling-grown's. They're, they're very fine-leaf and very thorny little guys. Yes. And, and, and uh, a, 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 a fairly small fr- fruit sort of thing. So I think you'd do so, better so with grafted. The, the grafted ones are the way to go, for sure. Yeah, but they'd be the main ones you'd see out in the nursery trade anyway. Oh, yes. Sure, 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 sure. But so which p- p- varieties? I've got red champagne. Is there any other one you'd like I to I can't recommend? think of the name of, of the my name. elongated one. But look, if you go into any nursery, yes. um, they can they can look up, you know, which and different not varieties they can get. they're growing plants, so you could probably have two. Which is what I did. Yes. So yes. I've got two in two yes. pots, sort yes. of yes. near yes. each yes. other. Yes. Yes. Good, good, good one. But for those people out there who are interested in planting citrus, it's coming up to the season. But certainly September is a great time to put them in. And, and where you're not on sandy soils, make sure the drainage is good. You know, elevate your bed a little bit, put, put, put him up a bit so that it'll fr- fr- freely drain, and away you go. They're, they're such you know interesting things all year round. You've got the, the, the foliage, the, the, the flower, flowers, and of course, of course the fruit there will look, look so good on the trees. Yeah. Good. Okay. Thank you. Thanks, Alison. Yes, thank you very much. Bye. Okay, bye. All right. Uh, we've got another query about them. What soil would finger limes like? Acidic or alkaline, I would say that's I'll what the, end that's of the about question to is going to be. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, right. I think, if, if anything, just a bit on, on the acidic side. I don't think most citrus uh, prefer a slightly acidic soil, um, don't they? Yeah, pre- sure. Because sure. if you take them into some of the real, uh, real sort of limey belts, they struggle. Yeah, true, 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 true. Yeah, that, 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 so much so. Yeah. I think that's about all we can say on, 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 well, you can, you can say on that. They wouldn't be too fussed, you know, I wouldn't worry too much about it. Mm. But if you were, you know, throwing the lime around, I wouldn't worry about putting any, any around your citrus trees. Mm. And if, I guess if you're living down Geelong Way in areas like that where the soils tend to be a bit on the limey side, you might actually have to do something yeah, to sure. ameliorate yeah, 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 that yeah, yeah, a bit. Yeah, yeah. Um, a bit, a bit of certainly sulfur. most of the suburban mm-hmm. Melbourne, mm-hmm. you know, whether it be a clay or a sandy soil, they're nearly all sort of neutral to acid anyway. There's not many limey mm-hmm. soils around mm-hmm. Melbourne itself. So, no. so, yeah, so general well-cultivated garden soil anywhere should be fine for most yeah. citrus, really. And, and I just feed mine usually with, um, with uh, well-aged cow manure and a little bit of citrus food. Yeah, yeah sure, sure. And we're getting to the point in the year where that should be looked at too, I guess. Uh, yes, feeding your yes. citrus as the warm water Oh, yes, Spring and autumn yeah. at this time, so... They have a massive fibrous roots on the surface sort of thing and they love your animal manures like we used to feed so much clean it. Clean out the poultry farm. Yes, chicken manure. My chook shed's about ready to get cleaned out, so it might end up over on the citrus trees. They thrive on that sort of gear, that's for you. Something I wanted to mention, because we were so busy on the program last week, and I didn't get a chance to get to these particular seed collections. I had Tin Sansom in the studio from Diggers, and he'd brought in the, the digger seed annual. Oh, yes. I don't know if you've seen it. Yeah, I have. They do send me one. So, yep. yes, I've got one up at work. I've been having a little bit of a, a lust through. Oh, yes, I lust every time <laughs> <Yeah>. I <laughs> come Those back. pictures, you look at those things and I say, I wonder if I can grow it like that when I get the seed. Yes. You know, that, yeah, they look so beautiful. <laughs> but what I wanted to mention, which, as I said, we didn't get round to last week, is they're putting together um, seed collections mm. so that you buy the whole 
you know, a collection. Oh, yes, um, as opposed to getting a packet of as one. One and making mm. up, yes, your own little mm. collection. But I, I was really impressed with, with these two particular collections that they've put together. Now, one is called their Heirloom Rainbow Collection. Oh, right. And yeah. it virtually gives you a whole vegetable garden, spring vegetable garden, in one hit. <laughs> and they are all heavily into mm. your high-oxidant plants, mm. your multicoloured yeah. um, vegetables. Yes. So it would look gorgeous in the would garden. It would look absolutely mm. gorgeous. So this one um, includes uh, marigold, naughty Marietta, um, beetroot, Chogia, I never know how to pronounce that. Um, my Italian isn't wonderful. Yeah. Silverbeak five-colour mix, um, pumpkin delicata, bean speckled cranberry, and uh, the eggplant uh, listata de gandia, yeah. um, all of which are beautiful in their own right, the fruit, very pretty colours to look at. And, of course, the beetroot, when you cut it open, that's the one with the pink and the oh, white yes, the concentric yeah. rings. Yeah. Yeah. Yes. And I just thought, wow, if you wanted to plant a spring vegetable garden, what a pretty collection. Yeah. And, and it's a good way for people to try out all sorts of different stuff. All different things they mightn't have ever tried before, and I think that, that's great. Now, the other one I want to mention... This is their balcony collection. Now, again, this is for someone who doesn't have garden space. They want to grow some, some vegetables um, on their balcony in pots or on their patio. And I looked through the seeds that are in this particular collection, and again, I was really impressed. We've got eggplant slim jim. We've got um, uh, Malabar red climbing spinach. Mm-hmm. We've got um, a chili Maui purple. Um, again, all going with the colours. We've got um, mesclun provençal. Yeah. Um, we've got nasturtium trailing mix, sweet basil, and tomato tiny tim. Now, again, I thought, what a great... You're getting a full range of vegetables and herbs there, which would be ideal in pots. You could go out and pick a meal. You could. You really could. You could have a wonderful salad or some roasted veg with... with yeah. You know, with herbs and yeah, yeah, yeah. so I was, I was very impressed. I did want to just mention those. Mm. Of course, if you are interested, um, you can go online at Diggers and have a look at uh, their full uh, collection of all their seeds because they have some wonderful seeds that that they release um, at this time of the year. Uh, Diggers.com.au mm. uh, yeah, will. Yeah. Uh, you can have a peruse through the whole catalogue. But yeah, just don't get carried away like I do. Uh, I get hold of a catalogue, and then when the seed arrives, I've done this with, uh, uh, with New Gippsland Seed Farm. I've done it with that firm up in Queensland that does all the different herbs and things up there. And you get all this stuff, and you think, oh, my God, I've done it again. I've got all this stuff to sow. Um, and, you know, sometimes you end up with packets that never actually get opened. I've done that. <laughs> I... Because, because I drool every time this comes out each year, um, I get told very heavily, you've still got seed, lots of seed left over from last oh. year, and I get put it in front of me. Oh, but I just have to yeah. get carried away again. Yeah. Yeah. Oh, well, look, it's, it's part of the fun. And, I mean, you could have worse addictions. You know, it could be alcohol or drugs. So at least plants are a, sort of a, a reasonable addiction to have, I reckon. And then Millie had the great idea that if you end up like me with a whole lot of packets of seeds that are, you know, two or three years old and you don't know how viable they are, Um, one you just 
broad sow the whole lot into a into a big veggie plot okay. and see have what a happens. see what happens. What comes up and it could be hilarious. Yes, well it could be. And sometimes it, those sort of experiments can actually be almost overabundant. You know, you can end up with a huge crop of something. So you know, better than throwing it away, yeah. even if you're not sure. Well, the other thing you can do is always just just raise them on your windowsill and use the sprouts. Yeah, yeah you know the sprouts. Why not? Most of them are going to be very edible and and high in nutrition because they're concentrated while they're little. I think last week he promised that if you're a 3CR list, listener, he would send a catalogue out. Was that for, free for free of charge, that's charge. right. You're that's spot that's on. Good. So, so yeah, yeah, there's a great keep, opportunity. Keep, 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 keep. Yes. I, the other day, I think I'm now setting aside a bit of uh, land for my t- tomatoes, as I, uh, as I do. And now, will I buy them in parts or will I seed them? And oh, you know, there's something about seeding. You know, it's I think it's you know, uh, uh, wish to propagate, you know, maybe ourselves and past propagating children now, so you get into propagating you know, with a virus seed and so I've, I've Planted my seed in little trays of tomatoes, and for those people out there, again, it's a good time if you wanted to get on with some of that. Gear, you gear, really gear, need gear, to get onto it, gear, yes. Gear, Especially you if you've got a coolish climate like mine. I mean, exactly. you've, got to, yeah. you've got to get good-sized tomatoes to get them out into the ground, so that you've got enough time in the year to actually get a crop. Yeah. And if you want something that's going to take a, a bit longer to actually ripen up, like your eggplants, your capsicums, yeah, you really true. need to even, get even get onto cu- it. Cu- cucumbers, and, yeah. yeah. But why yeah. I love sowing actual seed and raising them from seed is because I can get varieties you cannot get in seedling form. No. I mean, they're actually better these days than they once were. I mean, oh, I can definitely. remember going into, into nurseries and garden centres and things and, you know, you'd have, you'd have KY1 and Grossless Wrong. tomatoes. Yeah. <laughs> that and that would be it. Yeah, you know, you, you didn't even see the little tommy toes or no, anything like that no, back no, then. No. You know, and, and you, you know, you had one eggplant variety yeah. uh, if you were lucky. Uh, so at least these days we can get a reasonable array of vegetables seedlings as seedlings. Yes, yes. But you're right, there's lots of stuff we'll never see on the seed benches or on the seedling benches. Yeah, so that's right. grow them yourself. You look to diggers and they have got a range now. It's an amazing range that they have. Oh, yes. and even with, you look at uh, capsicums, you know, there's probably a, a good dozen of those you can get, you get now. Mm. It's, uh, uh, they, they, they do a good job and yeah, I think people out there that haven't, haven't had a go, you get a bit of say, seed raising mix and s- sow some of those ve- ve- vegetables this time of the year. Maybe you've got a, you know, I've got a little coal frame where I've got a, 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 a sheet of glass over a, a plastic f- f- fruit box sort of thing. Oh, yeah. And then, and, and put them in there on, in a sunny spot to get a bit of warmth, warmth going and uh, that bring, bring, brings them on. Mm. Yeah, yeah. With uh, Bert from Q's running on the outside line, wants to know what to spray on his lemon trees for septorious rot. Yeah, septorious spot. Yeah, it's, it's a bit of a pro- problem when it's a, uh, we used to spray uh, co- copper sulphate and, and lime b- bordeaux as we, we, we called the yes. spray. Probably co- co-side is the one there now. It's easier rather than make, mucking around with you know, making the, the two products and pouring them into the one vat and getting your, your bordeaux spray. But uh, I think August was the month that we would put, put, put that spray, spray of spray on. So now would yeah. be the time for you sure, to spray sure, sure. for that particular yeah, 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 problem. Yeah, 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 sure. Okay. But, uh, you know, people that don't know about it, you get you know, maybe a, 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 a ten cent piece sort of thing, size uh, black, black spottle, and, and sort of eats into the the uh, the uh, rind of the fruit, and it uh, you know it's a it's a, a, a not not a good looking thing. 
generally you can eat, eat the fruit anyway. It doesn't affect the lemon. No, that, that's I'm true, fine. true, true, true. Yeah, so you can still but, uh, use yeah. the fruit. Yeah, yeah, for the look of things. So if you don't that, get around to spraying, it yeah. may not be the end it's of the world. It's not the end of the world. You're right. Yeah. But uh, on the other hand, it's, uh, it's uh, you know, the coside is one of the ones that the organic... Uh, people will accept sort of thing. It's, a, mm. it's not, 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 not a nasty, so it's a safe way to put on. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Uh, something else we sh- I should really get to mentioning. Um, uh, as you know, um, a lot of, a lot of uh, organisations have been in recession over the uh, winter months. Open Gardens Victoria is about to start up again. Yes. And they've got their season launch Coming up, uh, end of this month, 27th and 28th of August. Yep. Um, now the launch is going to be at, uh, Attila and Michelle Capitani's garden, which and is... Guess who's launching? Yes, you are. Oh <laughs> <laughs> uh, dear. Yes, the thing I get myself, things I get myself involved in. Yeah, so uh, I'm actually quite chuffed in a way because I haven't seen Attila's garden, so this is a good opportunity. Didn't you come with us no, a few years ago? No, I didn't get the oh. chance to do that, so, so I haven't seen Attila's garden, so I'm oh, looking forward to it. So I did say it's yes. It's going to blow without, your mind. Yeah, well, I said yes almost without thinking about it because I thought, oh, well, this is an opportunity for me to, to go and see it, and, yeah. and I've got a reason to be there, so yes. So I will be launching it, I think, at about 2 o'clock in the afternoon on the Saturday. I think that's okay. what, it, what it actually was. Yes, uh, yes. I think that's what's in my diary. Okay. So, yes, I'm looking forward to it. I mean, I've seen plenty of pictures of Attila's garden, so I almost feel like I know it anyway. Yep. Um, but, yes, I am looking forward to getting down there because it is a remarkable collection. Totally uh, remarkable. And for listeners who don't know about it, um, basically it's a, it's a succulent garden. Mm. Mm-hmm. Um, but I mean, he's Attila's fairly broad-minded in his definition of succulent. Oh yes, yes, yes. yes. <laughs> Anything that has slightly fleshiness about it is or probably that stores included. water. <laughs> yes, that's right. So, yeah. <laughs> so he's got a massive bottle tree in the middle. Yeah. Uh, for a start, but it is incredible what he's done with succulents. Mm. Just amazing. And you know, they bought that land, they planted the whole garden, and didn't leave any room for the house. <laughs> so it was purely a garden. You know what? There's something about that that seems quite logical when you know Attila. <laughs> I mean, he's such an obsessive character. Uh, and, you know, his, his passion is just so strong. I can quite easily understand him creating a garden and not leaving room for a house. He just kept building up the garden over, over time, you know. Um, he's been gardening there for 14 years. It's on a 0.4 hectare house block size, but it's just incredible. And it overlooks. It's on. It's on a sloping hill, so it overlooks an ornamental lake, mm-hmm. um, and it's just the most incredible mm-hmm. place to wander around. Now, um, in conjunction with the opening, there's going to be guided tours. There's going to be talks. There'll be plants, seeds, books for sale, all there, and uh, we should give out the address. Oh yeah, that'd be a good idea. The address is one. The loft. The L O U G H low loft. 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 I, I don't, don't know. know. Anyhow, it's anyway, that. it's the loft court. L O U G H, as I said, in Narriwarren North. Uh, as I said, it's open Saturday and Sunday, 27th, 28th of August, 10 through to 4:30. Entry is eight eight dollars. Children under 18 are free, and <coughs> students are five dollars. Now, if you want more information about the opening and about the garden. Go to um, opengardensvictoria.org.au. 
www.ngmatters.org.au. And the other thing they're running, which again you're involved oh, with, yeah, Stephen. God, I don't know. You're too busy. I've, I've got to learn the word no. <laughs> <laughs> um, they're also going to be running um, a Macedon coach tour, looking at four great Macedon gardens, plus um, a chance to conclude uh, the trip at Stephen's uh, nursery. Now, this is first day of September to mm. celebrate spring. The gardens they're going to are Durrell, Glenranick, um, Ardruda and Tivitara. Mm. And uh, as I said, then finishing up at Stephen's um, and nursery. And it'll be great because all those gardens are quite close by. I mean, you could virtually walk between each of them. So there's not sort of masses of trips in the middle of it. So it's very concentrated. So but if you're on a bus, you can buy plants well, there and is cut that. them all yeah. home. Yes, well, that's what I'm hoping, because <laughs> uh, I'm opening the nursery specially for this group, because it's on a weekday when I'm normally closed. Yes. So, uh, so, and there'll be a little surprise at the nursery, which I'm not allowed to give away. So, okay. you know, so if you do get on the bus trip, um, you'll get a, a slight surprise when you get to the nursery. Um, and all of you will. It won't be something just for one person. <laughs> uh, and, yeah, so it should be a good day out. And all those gardens are wonderful older gardens mm. on Mount Macedon. Um, they've all got a, a fair bit of history behind them. And you could probably call them all sort of hill station style gardens. Uh, obviously, wear sensible shoes. Yes. Um, and because it's the first day of spring. It could you know, be raining. It could be raining. It could be cold. It could be wet. It could be anything, really, <laughs> um, uh, particularly up our way. Uh, yeah, so come appropriately dressed and you'll have a great day out. Wonderful day. Now, the ticket price is $195, but that includes return coach transport from Federation Square. Um, Morning tea, lunch, and an afternoon drink, mm -hmm. which sounds like cocktails at five or something, yes. but anyway, um, you need to book online. You go to opengardensvictoria.org.au and it will all come up there for yeah. you to book. Yeah. And yes, and we look forward to seeing a fair few of you up there. It should be a lovely day out. It should be a wonderful day out. So, yes. And while we're talking about all the things you are in. Involved with at the moment. <laughs> yes. Need I remind listeners, we've got to go without Stephen during October because yes, you're heading off to Madagascar. Yes, and uh, in fact, it looks like I might be leaving a little early too because Craig has decided he wants to see Mauritius. So I'll probably oh, be away <laughs> from the, about the 5th of October to about the 1st of November, um, uh, leading the tour to Madagascar. Uh, it's fully booked out. And actually, if there's anybody who has ever lusted to do this trip... The trip for 2017, so the following year I'm doing it again, is almost booked out too. So if people want to come to Madagascar with me, I'm not, I'm not looking forward enough to think about what I'm doing in 2018 at this stage and whether I will in fact do Madagascar again or whether I'll go on to something else. So I can't promise there will be a follow-up tour after 2017. As far as I know, there's only four places left My already goodness. Uh, for, for mm. 2017. So if somebody is even vaguely thinking about it, they need to ring Australian Studying Abroad ASAP and get themselves into the Madagascan trip. But, of course, if that fails, we are also doing Normandy in the Loire Valley next year as well. So if you want to see some beautiful chateaus and some lovely gardens and drink some good wine and eat some good food. And, and some cider. And some cider, yes. And, <laughs> and, and, and see, you know, not just gardens and shadows. I mean, we visit the <coughs> Bayeux Tapestries, the Apocalypse Tapestries at Anjou. Uh, we go to the beach landing sites. We visit one of the war cemeteries. Uh, you go, go to one of galleries. the best little seaside villages oh. 
on Fleur is adorable. I love on Fleur. Yeah, so, yeah, so there's all that sort of lovely villagey thing, because it's not just on Fleur, really. When you think about it, there were quite a few beautiful oh, villages that we went to. I mean, beautiful. Etretat was lovely, and yes. you see those wonderful cliffs that Monet painted. Oh, yes. And Boudin and all that sort of thing. Uh, so it's a wonderful, rounded tour. And I know we've got ample spots on that for next year at this stage. We've got some bookings already. Um, most of the, the uh, tours to France and other areas are limited to about 25, 30 people at max. Um, and uh, uh, as I said, the Madagascan one's limited to 16 because of accommodation issues. Uh, so yeah, if, you're, if you're interested, uh, I'd love to see you on board one of my tours at some stage. We always have a lot of fun. And uh, you'll see some amazing plants in, in France, some of those gardens. I mean, everybody thinks about going to the south of France, but I always reckon the north of France is more interesting from an Australian perspective because if you go to the south of France, they do olive trees and dry stuff. And we can do that here. <laughs> I mean, the gardens are gorgeous, and I'm not downplaying them. But if you go to northern France, you go into that green... It's so dank. fertile. Oh. And it's their food bowl, virtually. Yeah, yeah. It's, it's so productive yeah. up there. It's beautiful. It's lush. You know, you know, everything is dripping with roses and clematis, oh. and, and, and every garden has its stream running through it. Which isn't fair. <laughs> no, which isn't fair. Uh, and the soils look like they go down forever. Yes. Um, and, you know... The, Forests of beach and all that sort of thing. It's just oh, a it's beautiful just part of the world. Yeah, Gorgeous. Stuff. And, you know, those over-the-top chateaus, I mean, <laughs> they are just remarkable. And the, one of the things I actually love about that tour is the fact that in a lot of those places we go to, we actually have lunch with the owners in the chateau. Uh, so you have this really personalised thing that you couldn't do if you were a tourist on your own. Exactly. You know, and that's where I think it really comes yeah, into yeah, its own. Yes. Uh, yeah. And some of those owners are just the most charming of Aren't people. they? And, I mean, it's I'm not only common to be served on the on the serve porcelain you know with the georgian silver cutlery and the, uh, and, and the crystal glasses and and you know the whole over the top thing you feel like you're part of the aristocracy yeah exactly. I, I i have um uh uh hyacinth bouquet moments when you're scared to pick up the the, the cup yeah, okay. you think it's too valuable you might drop it um so it is it's a great yeah, trip so if people are thinking about doing a trip overseas maybe maybe madagascar if you're fast but i as I said, it won't happen this year because we're fully booked and we've got already 12 people pretty well booked up for the following year, so you'd need to be fast. And certainly the French tour is, is fabulous if you want a little bit more luxury than you'll get in Madagascar. Um, I think your group size is a good good, good size oh, yeah. too. You know, you'd be personal. I've been away on with this, you know, two or 3,000 on, on a boat and you get lost in a, in a city. You come down, we went to Japan and there was a 100 of us. That wasn't too bad. But you get down hundred still yeah. sounds like an awful lot oh, of people. Yeah. 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 Right. Divide them into three, three sort of thing. We had you know, a group of 33 would go here, oh, yeah. you know, that sort of thing. That was when Simon Rickard was in one of the horticulture advisors, which was really great. But then you get down to your size, you know, to 20 or so, and it's, you know, everybody knows one another. Yeah, by the end, it's great Everybody fun. by name. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, and they're small enough that you can do that, but they're big enough that if you've got somebody on the tour you don't really like, you can actually avoid them a bit. So. <laughs> I mean, if you get down to tours of sort of six or eight... You then, can't avoid anybody. You know, it becomes too much like a family group, so you can't get away from people just, just either. a good, good size. Yeah, so I reckon they're a great size. Yeah, yeah, perfect. Too right, too right. Yeah. All right, we've still got We must lead. get to some callers. We've got uh, Sue out in Narry Warren. Good morning, Sue. Uh, hi, everybody. Actually, it's Narry Warren North. Oh. <laughs> um, my orange tree, it's got a lot of oranges on it, 
but a lot of them are falling off. Yeah. Probably because it's got a lot of oranges on it. Yeah, but is it too wet or because we've had a lot of rain? Yeah, it's hard to say on that one. The Washington Naval particularly, it'll, it'll drop, drop fruit and it's a problem in the industry. Oh, is I pro- it? Probably, oh. I couldn't, probably shouldn't tell on the, the commercial grow, growers, but they do put a hormone on that, uh, you know, we'll, we'll, we'll stop, stop that sort of, sort of thing happening. Oh, okay. But, uh, I always thought if they're a little bit on the dry side, they'd be more likely to fall off to tell yeah, you the truth. Yeah, they're on the damp side. On, on yeah. the damp side, but... Uh, yeah, well, I, I, you yeah. know, when, I, when they fall off, I just chop them up and put them in the compost, yeah, and they well, seem to be... Quite mm. juicy. So. Yeah, okay. Yeah. But, you know, the other ways you can, you know, I'm not a cook sort of thing, but you can ju- juice them and, uh, you know, uh, put put fr- 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 freeze the juice and you, you, you utilise the crop like that a bit. Oh yeah. yeah, I suppose I could. Also, last week somebody rang up and talked about their was it their cauliflowers, lots of leaves and not much. Yes, I, I did hear that one. And yeah, that, and, and the, mine are the same. I mean, yeah. you know, they didn't sort of really form. The yeah. cauliflower curds. The chooks yeah. have had a good feed. But yeah, okay, that's <laughs> right. they, they look magnificent if you were looking from the house down yeah, there. But right. they didn't sort of yeah, come to nothing. I've, uh, shame upon me. I heard, heard the program and I, I've, I've had the same expe- very same experience. And I thought to myself, I must look that up and you know, see if in, in the back of my mind somewhere, I thought there was a, a boron deficiency sort of thing. But I, I, I could be well wrong there. Oh, uh, okay. Because I, 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 I use yeah. a organic fertilizer. Yeah, sure, sure. And also my yeah, own compost. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I nearly yeah. always, if I'm doing any brassicas, I nearly always put down trace elements. Yes, I do too. Yeah, yeah, yeah. because there's a lot of things yeah, in those true, trace true, elements true, true. Yeah, um, yeah. that are, you know, that will help. So I always put down. It's just a light sprinkling. Yeah, you light don't need sprinkling. much at all. Yeah, and and you know, so I always try and keep a packet of trace elements in the mm. in the I shed. Might try that. And so for any of the brassicas, and I was told about that particularly for cauliflowers because I was struggling yeah, with them a wee bit yeah, and I was getting these weird yeah, deformed yeah. things that didn't really come up to proper cauliflower yeah, heads yeah, that's uh, right. yeah, and good, good, good advice I yeah so I just use the trace yeah, elements and I'm not sure which trace elements in it are doing it the job it doesn't matter but one yeah, works yeah that's right exactly <laughs> Yeah, well, thank goodness for the chickens because they've eaten them. Yeah, now, now, what day, uh, Stephen, are you up at Attila's? On the Saturday at two, I think I will be at Attila's for the grand launch the of the launch. scheme. Yeah, yeah. The actual oh, launch. Oh, okay. Yeah, because it's only about a kilometre from me as the crow flies. Oh well, come and come and say hi, Sue. Yep. I will. Yeah, mm. that'd, that'd be fun. It'd be nice and to have some of our listeners come in and say hello to me. That would be and really good. And that's at the end of August, isn't it? Uh, 27th of 27th, August. Saturday the 27th, and you are officially on at 2 o'clock yes. to launch it, Stephen. Yeah, so I'll probably be lurking before that. Yep. Uh, I'll try and get there early enough so that I can have a bit of a sticky beak around myself. Um, but, yes, I'll be doing the official launch uh, at 2. Yeah, I, you know, the parking up there is a bit... Um, yeah, it's a bit tricky. Mm. Tricky? Yeah. yeah. Okay, then. All Thank right. you. Bye. 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 And next up we have uh, John out in Blackburn. Good morning, John. Oh, good morning. Uh, I've got a question, presumably, for Graham about persimmons. Sure. Uh, just in passing, I, I bought a tree from you about five years ago, and it's yes. just wonderful. We've just finished our three-month persimmon-eating season. Yeah. That, 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 that's, that's, that's good news, uh, great. <laughs> but I liked it so much, I bought another one. I, I bought it yeah. from Bulleen Art and Garden. They yes. were selling them off fairly cheaply last year, and it's in a pot, and will probably yes. stay in a pot over next summer. Yes. Um, it's double grafted which i understand they all are and the the intermediate graft is about 18 inches above the ground and i noticed rather belatedly that one of the nice strong growths on this tree is coming from the intermediate graft and i'm wondering 
uh, is it worthwhile letting it go on the grounds that I might get some some other interesting type of person and or should I get rid of it and yeah it's a, it's a good 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 question I think uh, you know even you know the, the worst scenario planting from 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 seed and that that would be you know one of the varieties that'd be the intermediate part, part there uh, they, 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 they come to some sort of persimmon. Sometimes they're, they're long, sometimes they're f- f- flat. But you know, in, in some things, you, you, you plant seed and you get a rubbishy thing that you can't use. But with, with persimmons, in my experience, where we've planted seed, seedlings, they all come to some f- sort of fruition and e- 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 edible fruit. So certainly, from a seed, they take longer to come into uh, into production. Of course, maybe five or six years. But uh, uh, I guess. Uh, it's just an interesting thing, isn't it? I, to take me back, I, I, I grafted, uh, I had a seedling peach tree came, came, came up and I put two, two grafts onto that and I got two branches. But there's a shoot on the side and I thought to myself, as you, I wonder indeed what, 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 what we'll get from the seedling on the other side. So I've got three types coming up. I've got the two varieties of, uh, of peach and, and I'm just going to see what, 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 what the other one does. I think, you know, with, with judicious pruning, you, you, you keep that piece that's come out from the side to, to, to a, a small thing, you know. The, you don't the, let it take over the, the, the top. The, the, the yeah, danger is, you know, that it can shoot, shoot out and do, 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 dominate. And if that's happening, you might, you know, it might get to the stage where you t- take it right out. But yeah, if you can keep it under control into a fairly small, small thing, see what you get, sort of thing, and that'll ta- uh, that will take a while. But uh, it's, it's, it's a good thing to just see what you get. Yeah. Yep. Okay. Thank you very much. Good, if good anything good. wonderful happens, I'll ring you again in a few years. Yeah, good on you, John. Yeah. Okay. Thanks. Bye. Bye. And uh, next up we have Diane in Malvern East. Good morning, Diane. Good morning. I'm after information regarding grafting camellias. How hard is it to do? Uh, well, there's no need to do it unless they're actually, well, there's some of the species that require grafting because they don't grow well on their own roots. But other than reticulata camellias, normally you would grow all camellias from cuttings. Oh, Okay, so well, how difficult is it to do cuttings? Not particularly. Most camellias are comparatively easy to strike from cuttings. You take the new growth once it's firmed and the leaves have matured from above where the flowers were this winter. So you allow the new growth to come up. Normally, well, it depends on your area, but normally sort of late November through December mm-hmm. into early January would be the time I'd be taking camellia cuttings. Right. And if you pick them and you sort of put them between your two or you put them against your two... Um, longer fingers with your thumb and if you press the thumb against the the stem it should still have a little give in it it shouldn't be hard hard so there should be a little bit of give still in the stem so they're sort of semi hardwood Um, you'd remove all but the two top leaves you cut the two top leaves in half so you end up with two half leaves on the top you scar the side of the stem by cutting through where there's a bud and just take a slither of bark out and you make sure that the bottom of the cut is nice and sharply cut with sort of a Stanley knife or something that's a, a really good sharp knife so you don't leave mm-hmm. any bruised tissue uh, I would dip them into a hormonal treatment uh, for semi-hardwood to hardwood cuttings mm-hmm. and it can be a powder or it can be a, a liquid it doesn't really matter much and then I would put them into a sharp sand type medium with perhaps a bell jar over them or a plastic bag over them, put them somewhere where they get light but no direct sunlight and keep them moist. I see. So even in summer you would put a jar over them? Yeah, but you keep them out of the sun. 
Right. Uh, okay. That's assuming you haven't already got a hotbed with a misspray system mm. and all the things that a commercial grower mm. would have. Mm-hmm. Uh, I mean, a little bit of bottom heat is also a good thing because it pushes along rooting much quicker. Right. Uh, so if you did have a little hot box or something like that, that would be the perfect place to grow them in. Uh, I've actually got one at the nursery, which is really a home gardener's hot box, and I produce so many cuttings out of it mm. Um, mm. that it's ridiculous. And it's mm. about sort of a metre and a half to two metres long and about half a metre wide, and it's got the electric cables running through the bottom. And it's actually got a fogger. Oh my goodness! And so it's got this sort of fog that cr- is created in there. So I never have to water the cuttings. High humidity. Yeah, yes. and yeah. it's fabulous. I mean, it was a reasonably expensive initial purchase, but I tell you what, the amount of cuttings I've run out of that thing uh, since I bought it because I, I wanted to try fogging. I always used mist spray before, and I'm finding the fogger fantastic. Right. Now, Diane, in my, 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 uh, I don't need a, a, a lot of plants because I'm not in the nursery business any, any longer, but I get a, a, an 8 inch pot or a 20 centimetre pot, put, put uh, some propagation mix in, like uh, Stephen said, and uh, put, put your, 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 your cutting in, cuttings, as Stephen has indicated, and to firm them in is a good thing, you know. I think sometimes they're just a little mm-hmm. bit. And, and then I get a plastic bag, put it put, put over the top with a, with a, a, a elastic band around the top so they've got a little you know, humidity crib if you like there and that, 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 that works quite well yeah. um, Would it be too late to do it in January? You're getting towards the end of the season for cuttings. Getting, I mean, I'd still do it, but they'll tough, take, tough and they'll hard, take longer to strike mm-hmm. uh, if they are not got a little bit of softness in them. I like mm-hmm. the stems to still have a bit of green about them. Mm-hmm. And okay. by the time you get to January, it depends depend on the variety, but by the time you get to January, quite a lot of camellias have started to go hard and woody by then. Right. So All it right. might be a bit late. Okay. Thank you very much indeed. That's okay. a pleasure and best of luck with it. It's great fun. Yeah, it's oh, Thank you. Thank you so much. Bye. Oh, thank you. Bye-bye. Uh, Bert and Q's run back again, Graham. We were talking oh, yeah. about the spray for the lemon tree. Okay. Yeah, um, sure. He wants a bit more information. If he mixed his own, um, mm. he wants to know um, amounts you use and... Mm. Oh, if he's going to do his own Bordeaux. Yeah. Yeah, okay. Yeah, that, there was a great, great, great spray and, you know, we were just... Through, through, through the time of spraying our, our peaches and nectar, ne- nectarines back, back, back in July. It's getting a bit late now because the, 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 the buds are moving. But uh, I think if, if you buy, in, say, say, down Bulleen Art and Garden, they, they would have Bordeaux, not Bordeaux, copper sulphate there on the shelf. And I fancy on that copper sulphate packet, you should have the recipe for making Bordeaux. You know, we used to put, I think it was in the olden days, in a 100-gallon vat, we would we would put about eight pounds of the pounds. And, and you know, <laughs> this is going to get complicated, Graham. I can see somebody getting 100 gallons of stuff to do one fruit tree with. <laughs> I'm, not, I'm not showing my age at all, <laughs> no, 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 no. But, yeah, I love the fact I mean, that we're still talking in pounds and ounces and things. And as you probably know, we'd mix the lime, which is an eight pound of that, stir it around and get it all mixed up, and the copper sulphate. Some of the times we'd leave that overnight to sort of uh, to, uh, to soak the copper sulphate. Stir that one, then we pour those two into a common common vat, into your hundred gallons, and away you'd go. But just 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 the uh, the, the the grams and and the litre. 
concentrations. I haven't got that one with me at the no. moment. <laughs> but you're right, they should have the recipe on the sides yeah, of the packets. Sure. And it is better to make your own because if you, if you buy pre-prepared Bordeaux, it's often yeah. sat on the shelf for True, long. true, true, so true. Yeah, yeah. We, we'd make sure every year that we got the lime all fresh. If we had an old bag from the, uh, the, the last year, we were ten- tempted, you know, to, to, to use that. But no, you, you've got to have fresh, fresh lime all. Yeah. They will get, it'll go off on you. You're yeah. right on. Yeah, sure. Yeah, so there's no point in spraying something if the spray is already too old and it's, no, it's not going to have the sure. impact, is it? It's yeah, so there you go. Does that sound right there, mate? Um, <laughs> I, I do have a recipe <laughs> oh, good. For, oh, for Bordeaux spray yeah, good here. Um, and I think this came from Nick many long years ago. Oh, yes. Right? But in one bucket, he mixed 100 grams of copper sulphate into five litres of water. And in another bucket, he mixed 100 grams of lime into five litres of water. And... Uh, he then said you could add a dash of oil and a handful of sugar to keep it a little longer, and you have to use it within a couple of hours. Yeah, it sounds right. Yeah, just just the lime. I think lime ill we we used to get. That's uh, just your garden lime doesn't really work too well. Right. Uh, I think it'll, if you if you find lime ill, I think in some Lionel. of the uh, building building uh, you know supplies they they have lime ill. Yep. Yeah, okay. Yep. Yeah. Okay. Mm-hmm. All right, but that's basically 100 grams of the copper sulphate and 100 grams of the limel, um, each of them into five litres of water, then mix the two together. Yeah, the two together and get it out there as quickly as possible. Yeah, because and it, it'll clog up your sprayer, won't it, Graham, yeah, if you true, leave true, it sitting? Yeah, you wash, wash your sprayer so out after years as well. Yeah, nice yeah, and quickly yeah. while it's fresh. Yeah, good one. Thanks, Sam. Okay, all right. Um, we didn't touch on the fruit you brought in, Greg. Oh, there's still a few, few, few more goodies. There, yeah, right, right. Yeah, this one got a bit of colour in it. That, that's a pepino. pepino. Yes. Yeah, we've probably been through that, that one before, but I think over the years, they've, they've, the breed, breeding they've done of bringing a better, a better piece of fruit on the, on, on, on the table. And that, that's very juicy, you know. You, you, you cut it and it's more, more, more palatable than the, the initial ones were. Uh, yeah, I found them a bit boring initially. Yeah, I true, didn't true. Sort of get I a bit find on the them a bland. bit, yes, a bit bland. Yeah, yeah, sure, sure, yeah. But I think yeah, the new ones, again, I got this one down from a, a, a Bulleen uh, art, art and Garden, and it's, it's, it's a bit more tasty than the, the, the it's initial. It's very pretty fruit. Yeah, it's, oh, it's, yeah. it's a right. A little bush, they work, work well in a tub. I've got one just in a, in a tub, and a bush, bush gets about half, half a metre. It looks, looks lovely. got probably a dozen fruit on it at the moment hanging over the mm. side, side of the tub, and, you know, ornamental as well as a, a useful little, little, little plant. Much loved yeah. by people from Central and South America. Yeah, they really yeah, love yeah, their pepinos. Again, again that, 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 yeah. that's true. So, much, yeah. so many of these things. Yes, I'm yet to be convinced again. So I am I. So it's yeah, one okay. I've chosen not yeah, to grow. Yeah, yeah. yeah I haven't yeah. for a long time. And, of course, Macedon's one of those places where these things are pretty borderline anyway. Yeah, uh, true. It's, so it's I can't see the point in taking yeah, up yeah, space yeah, for something yeah, unless yeah, I feel I'm going to enjoy what I what I produce. But yeah, anyhow, yeah, now that yeah, I could yeah, yeah. <laughs> babaco, it's a uh, yeah, babaco. I think they the way they pronounce it, isn't it? But uh, as, as you, the listeners, this is better. Uh, a, uh, I get 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 my uh, metric right. I was going to say a foot. A foot long. A foot long. Uh, well, uh, a foot uh, long is fine. I can, I can visualise, I can visualise a, a ruler. <laughs> yes. A school ruler. Yes, exactly. But uh, uh, yeah, it's related to the pawpaw, of course, or papaya. 
And uh, it's, I've got a tr- tree at home. It's probably up to about seven, seven feet now. Each year it's produced a, an abundance of crop. I suppose there's tw- 20 of these fr- fr- fruits on there at the moment. It looks quite, quite attractive. Ultimately it gets to two high and sort of one as a break breaks over and you're going to start again. It's a plant that doesn't branch at all. Mm. Just no, goes so you just get, well, I guess one, in a one, sense one, that's space yeah. saving. Yeah, well, that, that's true. Yeah, oh, so you can f- f- we f- have to wind more. up now. Oh, my goodness. We have run out of time. Sure, yes. There it's gone again. It always goes when we're having fun, doesn't it? Never mind. We will, of course, be back next Sunday morning at 7.30. A big thank you to the team and also to Vicky and Anne who've been handling all the calls. We'll talk to you next Sunday. Till then, bye for now.